Yeah. Bam. Like, interesting in what way? Kyle Casper Bauer, CrossFitter, dad, Christian. What's up? Um, I don't know. Maybe it puts pressure on people or you. Or if you make a mistake, you can't go back and edit it or anything like that. Um, so, so I didn't do any of the shows live. And when I, when I started the podcast, Dave told me I was a fucking idiot for not doing all the shows in person. And like, I don't want like one, it's, it would be crazy expensive. And two, like, I don't want to do them live. I want to do them like uh, totally on my terms so that like I can go on with the rest of my day and play with my kids. Or as Kyle Casper Bauer says, my why that was a great post you made. And um, but he also called me a pussy for not doing it live. And I love being called a pussy. It makes me feel like that there's still hope for society. It lets me realize, you know what I mean? It's like, cause it's such well, a, there's so many people who'd be offended by that. I don't know if he uses that exact word, by the way, I don't mean to throw Dave under the bus, but he lets me know that it's a sissy move. And some people just should be called sissies. If you're doing a fucking podcast and you're not getting better every single day, then so I think going live forces me to be better. Well, it also, uh, um, you can appreciate someone calling you out for challenging you, right? That's a good friend. Yeah. But yeah, also, yeah, yeah. I think he was just being straight honest. Um, yeah. Well, and plus, maybe at the beginning, it was a lot of pressure because you're not used to it, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean sure th- there's a safety net of not going live, right? Right. Like, 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 like you were saying, like I can go back and edit it. Oh, damn. Kyle schooled me on that. I'm cutting that part out of the podcast. <laughs> that won't be the case. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I was on with, um, th- there's this guy. I don't know if you know him. He's Hunter McIntyre. He got an invite. He's the only guy ever to get an invite to the games. He's the, the running guy. Kind of like. Who, who gave him the invite? I, uh, Greg did. Greg. Okay. I, I, as, as I recall, Greg did. Yeah, I, I have a whole belief on that too. Like, I like I think it would be cool. I think that would have been cool to do like in two thousand eight or nine. Mm-hmm. But like by the time Hunter was invited, I think it was over. We had already established that. Like, like basically, if you didn't realize that the CrossFit Games really was testing the fittest, it did. Like, I don't care how much shit you talked, dude. Enter the open and and prove yourself. But anyway, so he got invited, right. and I kind of and I just resented him for being invited. But I ended up having him on the show, and I actually. I, I more than like him. I might even love him a little bit. And um, so, but but we, at the end of the show, he started like just telling me about how so many, cro- the, the CrossFit has a steroid problem. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. And we got into it. But I'm kind of like, I kind of want to have him back on the show so he can school me. Like, okay, I'm open to being publicly schooled on that. I'm open. I'm even open to like deny it to a point of um, delusion. Like, even if, like, he starts, I'm so, I so don't want there to be a steroid problem in CrossFit that I'll be like, no, there is not. And he can hold up, like, he can show me a needle, like, hanging out of some athlete's ass. I'll be like, that's an accident. He just happened to sit on that. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't him. Somebody else did that. Um, Did he, did you guys get into that very much? No, no, but um, it was just at the end of the show, and then recently he went to Europe to compete in the World Championships of, of, of some fitness event that he does, 
It's yeah. called High Rocks. I kind of resent them because they call it the the World Series of CrossFit, but it's or the World Series of Fitness or something. But that's just I, that's just me being a purist. I'm I'm aware of that. You know what I mean? That's just like me wanting the whole kitten caboodle boodle to stand or CrossFit. I'm like the yeah. I'm like the dad who doesn't want their kid to grow up. I guess. But um, but he went over there, and while he was over there. I guess an article was released it, it, when Rick, there's an article released recently that Ricky Garrard is coming back to CrossFit or, or that not that he's necessarily coming back, but that his suspension is up for whatever he popped for. And, but the article said Ricky Garrard and seven others or Ricky Garrard and nine others or whatever. And he's like, dude, nine others, you know, he sends me the article. He's like, you say there's not a steroid problem and there's nine others. That's pretty good though. Nine others and what? 13, 14 years. Well, these are just from 2017, and these are just oh, people shoot. who popped, okay. right? Yeah, it's a little right. different. I've, I, from where I, I, from where I stand, I've never seen any um, steroids. You've been a lifelong athlete. Have you, have you ever known anyone who openly tells you about doing steroids? Who like is like, yeah, you should try it, or I do it and I like it, or, <laughs> um, or, or I do it and don't tell it. anyone. Not no. in CrossFit. I have been. Um, uh, I, I know a, a few individuals that have done it and admit to it. Of taking it in college, like college football. Any of your clients just do it recreationally? No, but there's, there's, I know members that are on test for, you know, they're older. Like over you, just 45. Go to your you go to your doctor and you say, Hey, my penis uh-huh. is only 98% as hard as it used to be. For sure. Uh, no, I know individuals that are on test, but I don't for uh test for uh steroids. No. God, it seems like it would be fun to do, but messing with your hormones just seems like a slippery slope. Like you don't want, if that shit got out of whack, you'd be like a woman. Oh man, Sevon, did you just say that? <laughs> no, there's some pretty bad horror stories for sure, man. It wrecks you. It feels good at the beginning. I've, I mean, some of the, some, there was a, a friend that I trained with in 2012 for the 2012 CrossFit Games. Good friend. Um, he knew an individual in college football that did a cycle of steroids and it, it was amazing. Uh, he said it was an amazing drug. It's, it was extremely addicting. Um, he'd, he'd, uh, work out in the morning and go eat and then work out again and then go eat and then work out again. And he still had energy. He slept like three or four hours and did that for like a full four month cycle. And he said it was incredible. The results were unbelievable. However, you know, the muscles started developing such a rampant pace, uh, his tendons did not stay with it. And he ended up getting injured and injured again and then injured again. And then as soon as he stopped it, the, uh, all that hard work just went, just plummeted. Um, and, uh, obviously there was, he had real side effects too, increased acne. Um, but then, uh, mood swings, it just, the whole, the whole gambit of what goes with that. Um, and now, even now, uh, having trouble with like, this is what, 20 years later that we're talking or, yeah. 50, or 10 years, 10 years later. Um, uh, because this individual, he was actually in college back in 2001 to 2007. And from that point now he can barely squat. He can barely walk. He can barely put a barbell on his back. Oh, because the damage from the from the super growth in the overtraining. Correct. Yes, just from that one cycle. Damn. So, um, 
in in defense of women, can you imagine being a woman like like my my wife, my wife, and uh, she grew two boys in her. Speaking of hormones, dude, it's insane. nuts. <laughs> Okay, I'm trying well, to backpedal. I'm trying to backpedal, guys. I'm trying to like take back that sexist remark. I said, not take it back. <laughs> I still mean it. You guys are wackadoodle. I had, I had, uh, I had, um, what's her name? Shit, I'm so bad with names. She's a games athlete. She has a girlfriend. No, was it Alex Parker? Was it Alex and and Miss Root? I can't remember. I had, I had two two I had, I had two girls on two, two separate athletes on and they both they both were lesbians they both had uh, girlfriends but basically one of them said hey like every woman should have to date another woman for some time to know what it's like like she was like having some compassion for the dudes I was like oh I like that you're a good you're a good dude <laughs> really good morning Colby good morning the the best thing about doing this live is people can make comments big fan of Kyle using his platform for such good I love it Jacqueline Robertson thanks. Sorry, were um, you going to chime in on female hormones? No, I was just going to say how little I actually know as a whole about steroids, though. I mean, you start talking to individuals that either have experience with it or have taken it or know about it or sell it or whatever. Um, and it's like, oh, my gosh, there's so much to learn. But there's also stuff that I just don't even want to know. It's like, I mean, just that. Well, first of all, let's just let's just stop right here and be like, OK, if, if we think that steroids isn't in CrossFit somewhere, and, if, and let's just not even talk steroids. Let's, let's talk testosterone or human growth hormone or HGH, right? Right, um, right, right. It's it's in it somewhere at some degree in any every sport. I mean, even you can go back with Lance Armstrong, you right? Know, with blood blood doping. I mean, he was just eviling the playing field. That's a completely different sport, a completely different time. Here, um, I love. I I've, I've sent so much appreciation to Dave and and. Um, the game support on how much they do test and testing athletes all year round. And just the do fact you get that tested as a master's athlete still? It's, I still get tested or at least I get the emails. Um, and then uh, they've uh, I've been I've been randomly tested a few times. I'm like, dude, I've been in this for so long. And it's like, you guys won't just won't leave me alone. I'm like, OK, well, I appreciate that because if they're doing it for me, they're doing it for others, too. Right. Um, and I value like that as an athlete uh, that just appreciates clean, real dedication, commitment, hard work, suffering, sacrificing, dealing with a little bit of injury here and there, rehabbing, suffering again, um, having to take back uh, the volume because of an injury, uh, because that's what it is too. It's about the recovery and how fast you can get back, um, whether it's from training or from an injury. So, And, and just so people know, uh, if you don't know, insulin is also a hormone and uh, – all hormones are extremely, extremely powerful, and you don't want them running around in your bloodstream unless they're supposed to be there. And that is one of the reasons why eating added sugar and refined carbohydrates is so fucking bad for you because it jams up your bloodstream with a shitload of insulin. And especially now when people are concerned about being sick, you want your bloodstream to be just like a, a, a six-lane freeway with no traffic in it. You want the T cells and NK cells and the white blood cells to be just flowing freely, kicking ass on every bad guy in there. And if you if you eat a I, no shit, there are studies. If you just drink one Mountain Dew, or you were just to eat a teaspoon of sugar, you will fucking cause a traffic jam immediately. And if you're sick, that sickness can creep in. The second that any virus is like getting into a into a into a cell, it'll start replicating, and that could just be because you drank a Mountain Dew at the wrong time. It's no joke. 
I mean, I, I know people think, oh, a little bit in moderation is okay. Hey, man, but like, like a little bit of peanut butter in your brand new Honda Civic's gas tank is not okay. Like, just know, like, like you're 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 just saying words. You're just you're just convincing yourself of shit. That's not necessarily true. It's, fuck, you got one body. There's so many cool things to do in life. Do that shit. Don't abuse. Don't put a little bit of gas tank in your body. It's not like I'm Simone, asking you to in, inject heroin. It's, it's not like I'm asking you to inject Come something on. in your in your little kid. I'm just asking you not to eat sugar. See the see see the difference there, dude. Oh my gosh! Speaking of little kids and eating sugar. Okay, so all right. I fed just so you guys child. know, real quick, I want to say one more thing. Um, Go ahead. For those of you who don't know who Kyle is, Kyle has been a staple in the CrossFit community forever. I went to. Uh, Omaha, I don't know if it was 2007, 2008, 2009, but somewhere early. And I went there because, um, I think his name was 2009. It was, there was a, a, a guy there named Ricky Frostow and, uh, and, uh, Joe Westerlin was there and Libby DiBiase was there and Stacy Tovar was there. I think there might've been one other lady. No, I think that was it. Just weren't there three girls who trained, who did I say all three? Libby, Stacy, yeah. was there? Was there one more young lady? Anyway, and and I didn't know Kyle was there, and I remember going there and Kyle being there and training at that gym and him having just some really, really. And I, granted, I hadn't been around a lot of athletes in my life at that point, but just having a lot of explosive power and just popping on the radar there. I think they were doing like some sort of workout that had some insane box jumps, and you, at that point, you were probably one of the, the best jumpers in the game in, in in our community. So that's how we met, and. Uh, and he hasn't gone away, kind of like how I haven't gone away. I got fired. Well, Kyle no longer does the individual competition, but we're like, we're hanging on. We're like, hey, leave a door open and we'll fucking be there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So go on. So we were talking about sugar and kids. I apologize. Go ahead. No, no, that's, that's, uh, and he just beat great. my boy, James Hobart, which is disgusting. He, he, he beat my boy James Solid. Hobart at the CrossFit Games this year, being the fittest man in the 35 to 40 year old division. And, and let me tell you something Hobart wanted to win. That was like, that was no fucking joke. Okay. Um, I felt that, Savon. <laughs> you did. <laughs> and he didn't realize, I don't, and I can, I, maybe he will disagree, but it was, uh, I felt after uh, day one, like this kid now he's gonna he's 35 he looks like he's a kid he's still young yes. he looks like a baby but we all say that about him but anyway it was a pleasure competing against him it was a complete it was a pleasure getting to know him better um because i hadn't competed against him since 2014 and there was such a it was a larger in, in, in individual you completed 2014 in, in individual okay yes in individual and um uh there was a larger field then then in masters, it's a it's a small group and uh, it's a little bit more intimate in the in, back in the athletes area. But um, it was just a lot of fun and getting to know him a little bit more. Man, that second one second the day two started for uh, a competition this year. I just f- felt something change with him, and actually, I think it was after the snatch because you just start, started seeing this fire in his eyes. And then he started winning a couple um, on day two, and then day three, he's like finishing finishing the competition and uh either way i had a ton of fun i felt that he wanted to win it and that's fun because when you have someone that wants to win it or a a couple guys that are wanting to win it and go for it it makes everything a little bit more interesting but um, i'm paraphrasing but he basically told me uh, and i don't remember where when or where but um 
day one, I, he, I guess you guys knew the workouts. He basically told me day one's going to be tough for me, but dude, I, I'm, I'm coming back and I'm winning this thing. I go, really? And, and he goes, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to fucking let the wheels fall off the bus. I'm fucking crushing it. But I know that's the first two so days, I'm going to have awesome. to dig out of a hole. Yeah, it is awesome, right? That's awesome. Um, that's good to see. I love seeing that fire in competitors, right? Yeah. So anyway, Especially okay. someone like him. He's so mild. Like he's yes. so chilling. I'm like, oh, you're going to the games? He goes, yeah. I go, you're going to work out? He goes, yeah. I'm like, you're going to win? He's like, yes. Yes. I am. <laughs> yes. I am fucking going there to win. And I I'm like, it. and he's already, I, I can't remember if it's him, but other, you know, people are already spinning the narrative. Well, Kyle can't win it this year. He's at the, he's, he's the, you know, oldest guy in that division. This is the year to beat Kyle. And, and it, just so you guys know how good Kyle really is, I was going through a bunch of old pictures of mine and he stood on the podium in 2012. Is that the, is, have you stood on the podium any other years at the individual competition? 2012. Yeah. And, so. and we all know who won that year it was Rich Froning. So this is a guy, um, you know, we've had two or three p- problems in CrossFit, Rich Froning and Matt Fraser and now Tia, um, and, and Kyle was one of those guys who was like an important supporting character to to Rich's dream run. So um, this this is the this is the real deal. And he's still forty and doing it. Are you whoa, the only hey, athlete? Whoa, 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 whoa! Thirty. I'm not what? forty yet. Slow down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like a week before my kid turns six. My wife's like, he's six. I'm like, no, he's not. He's five. <laughs> when do you turn forty? Well, 40? in 2012. Uh, well, I turn forty uh, next May. Awesome. So, okay. but, uh, in 2012, it was, uh, Rich and then Matt Chan. And then, um, I was blessed enough to be on for third place. It was the oldest podium. That's, I think that's the oldest podium in the history of the CrossFit games because wow. Chan was, I think 33 or 34, which is ultra old to be on the podium. And that's how incredible that's saying something about Matt, how incredible he was at that point in time and how old he was at that time, because I was 32 and then Rich was like 24, 25, I think. Crazy. Um, but Do you remember who took fourth that year? Uh, uh, Panchek. Oh, shit. Poor Scotty. I think it was Panchek. You- it was either Kalipa or Panchek. I think it was Panchek. Do you ever see Scott? Do you ever work out with him? Is he in your like circle? Um, Scott's a great guy. We don't see each other too much um other than the when we did the reebok summits and then um competing but i've always got along with sky he's a great guy yeah i could see you guys being friends yeah you guys well i know that he was he's always had an extremely um impressive back squat and i've always admired that that was always nice I thought you were going to say, I've always known no. he's had a crush on me. I thought you were going to say, you've always known he's had a crush on you. <laughs> he has had a crush on me. I know it. <laughs> Are you the no, only yeah. athlete? Don't worry. I'm not going to forget to ask you about Kids and Sugar. Are you the only athlete to have um, gone to the CrossFit Games as a team's masters and individual? So, no. I, I think there's been a lot of people that, well, I don't know, have, actually. But either way, I know that I'm one of the few to do individual podium team podium and then master's podium yeah crazy i don't know if there's crazy. another athletes done that would you Which, ever go team honest, again do you prefer uh, individual masters would i go team again yeah is team for the years you're injured if we see you on team does that mean you're injured no because i actually got injured 
on the team <laughs> on team in in uh in regionals in 2017 i got injured in the in team in 2017 but then i uh it was my hamstring and then i healed that up and went to masters but i wanted to um I wanted to make all of it and then make the decision because I'm going to, I was, as soon as I turned 35, I was going to do masters the whole way. I, whether I qualify for individual, whether I qualify for team, whether it didn't matter because, um, there's a, there's a lot like people don't understand the commitment and the pure dedication and the sacrifice that it takes to be a CrossFit games athlete. Um, even just making it to the games. But then there's so much of a difference between the dedication it takes to get 40th and the, the dedication it takes to win the games. And I don't know about you, but I don't go to things just to lose or to participate. And I think that's what's changed a lot these days is the mentality of, oh, I made the games. I'm, I'm good. I'll probably get a sponsorship or something like that. Cool. And then, and then oh, I'll see if I can do it pretty well. And then that's it. And that's, and I'm happy. Whereas I think that's changed over the years from like 2012 or 13 or even 14. Like now there's like a real career with sponsorships or support. There's uh, to, to, to be a CrossFit Games athlete, but to be a CrossFit Games winner. And that's what a lot more people are going for. I think now the fact, even now that, you know, Frazier stepped out, I think there was more athletes even this year, especially that transition to where, okay, we didn't know who was going to win. Um, and every year, no one really knows who they're going to win. Like as an athlete, you don't really know who's going to win. You just know that you're going to give everything that you have and regardless, just figure it out. Because every year that I competed against Rich Froning, I truly believe that I could win. And there were- The fans know who's going to win though. The fans absolutely. know. Hey, hey, the, there's a but favorite the, for but a the athletes don't. But the athletes don't know. Is that what you're saying? No. And they shouldn't be there. They shouldn't be that they do know that someone else is going to win. They shouldn't. Right. That, that's the same. Like, I mean, Tom Brady is one of the greatest NFL quarterbacks of all time. And he's still putting up these outs, these insane numbers at age 44. He wants to win one more Super Bowl. The fans see it. The commentators see it. Las Vegas sees it. Now, I don't know if he's going to win or not because of his age. That's always a question. There's such a team thing involved in that versus just an individual athlete in CrossFit. But um yeah so are you so, saying i thought you were gonna say that um people aren't as dedicated now but you're, you're no. saying people are more dedicated now no, are you saying the top it requires 40? more yeah it, it requires more it, it's um, right, were you just the, eating the, covid did you just see some covid running by on your table and you just well the best way to- <laughs> did you just kill some covid i mean that's what i do in my house if i see covid in my house hey. or two virus i gotta protect my kids i just squish it with my finger like on my screen here, and then. Hey, the best dead. immune system's the most exposed immune system, brother. Yeah, I just, I just, okay, go on. That was pretty <laughs> cool. You're, you, I mean, you are a true father and uh, alpha male. The way you did that, go on. <laughs> hey, so anyway, um, yeah, no, it's it's just a, it's I, I feel that it's a whole different level these days, an individual, and my hats are off to them, to the every single athlete, because there's so much sacrifice that takes place. And people forget that people that aren't involved. Um, but what, what's another word you could use besides sacrifice? Why do you use that word? What the fuck does that word mean? I hate because that word. It's an easy word to use for it because it's it's so 
I feel like it's so obvious um, because because of the uh, sacrifice that um, I could be doing other things. I don't. I wouldn't want to do other things. Um, right. But I could be doing so many other things. And plus, you're talking now. It goes down the line. If you are married, your wife is also sacrificing. Yeah, she might be sacrificing. Yeah, she might be sacrificing. Uh, the, yeah. the act of offering something to a deity in. <clears throat> I hate reading live. Remember how you said live shows? Because it just shows how stupid I am. The act of offering something to a deity in pro, propiti, propititation? Proprietary? No, propitation. I don't even know what that word is. It, uh, it, I'm going to skip that word. The act of offering something to a deity or homage, especially the ritual slaughter of an animal or person. The second definition is a victim offered... In this way, the third definition, the act of giving something highly valuable for the sake of something else, considered to have a greater value or claim. So you're saying you sacrifice. See, and that, and that, and that makes the word pointless right there, right? So it's saying the act of giving something highly valued for the sake of something considered to have greater value. Well, then it ain't a sacrifice. <laughs> right? Right. Right, exactly. So uh, that word's a contradiction. Anyway, okay. And, and the reason why I'm defensive about it is when people say, oh, you, I sacrifice so much for my kids. I want to be like, yo, eat a dick. You shouldn't be sacrificing shit for your kids. This is, this is your honor to raise another human being. You're like, yes. you are like, I wake up, like, I can't, like, it's like, it's so uh, sacrifice, sacrifice. You know when you stay up late when you're a kid and your eyes are burning, and you, but you stay up extra late so you can watch that horror movie at eleven o'clock, at twelve o'clock. You know what I mean? Like you do something like that. It's like like the Scooby Doo Halloween special, and you stay. Yeah. Your eyes are, and you watch. You're not sacrificing. I'm never like, oh my god, I'm so exhausted. I'm sacrificing to go do this with my kids. I mean, there's times where I'm like, oh my god, I'm so exhausted. How am I going to make this? But I'm never like, what a sacrifice. I'm always like, holy shit, I am stoked. I have three little kids. They're mine. You know, like, <laughs> well, that's 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 how, that's dangerous, man. Like dangerous in a really good way, Savon, because at that point, then it's like, OK, one of the easiest things to do is just be grateful for what you have. Just 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 a sense of gratitude. Yes. No matter how crappy your situation is, because I've been in really crappy situations. Well, it's just, easy for me. I'm not in a crappy situation. So maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm talking, maybe, but it's all perspective. Right. But it's just like, just being that sense of gratitude is just put you at a whole different level than the person that has the same situation as you, but you're just that much more dangerous in regards to just more powerful. Yeah. Just gratitude. Well, you, you you posted a picture on your Instagram. We'll come back to that. Okay. Let's go back. So, so working hard, sacrificing the athletes have to give more these days. And then I want you to give me an example of what is something can you give me like a real example of something that like the difference between the guys at the top and the guys not at the bottom? Like, do the guys at the top always go to bed at nine o'clock and they make no excuse to stay up till 10? Like, wh what are some things that are, fall into that sacrifice bucket? Like you um, don't go to your parents' birthday party. If, 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 if it's a three days travel there and three days travel back, you stay home. Like, what are, what are, the, what are the things? Yeah, I, I think you, you hit that right there, but... Um, all the extracurricular stuff that is like a, that of a normal life. You can't have that normal life at the top tier of a CrossFit games athlete. They're doing, they've got a coach, they've got, 
they're 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 doing camera work. They they've got another coach. Um, they're they've got someone either planning out their macros or their meals, or they're just staying consistent on a daily basis every single day, all year long for five years. Same thing over and over and over. Why do you think that Matt Frazier retired? Because he was so insanely dedicated. Rich Froning, same thing. He could have gone more years an individual. We all know that. It's just the fact that it was to the point to where it was probably causing some sort of strain. And I don't know if I was in position, his, in, in his position, and I've experienced it myself. The amount of dedication I put towards CrossFit was putting a uh, crutch or a gap in between my wife and I's marriage. Oh, for it sure, right? It was affecting us, right? Because where I'm not, I'm somewhere else. And when I'm somewhere else, I'm not with my wife. Or I'm not serving This podcast is affecting my marriage. <laughs> yeah. Well, in a good way, right? Maybe? I don't know. Uh, both, both, both. But, but yeah, I see what you mean. You can't indulge in your own insecurities, and you sure as fuck don't have time to indulge in other people's insecurities when you're, when you're dedicated to something. It's funny. I was, I was been interviewing a lot of UFC fighters, and they're young. They're in their 20s. And I remember being in relationships in my 20s where the, the 80% of the relationship was insecurities. Are you cheating on me? Why were you looking at that girl? Um, how come you didn't call me today? And I think today it's a million times worse. The shit that I hear young people talking about in relationships, it's like, holy fuck, they are so indulgent and insecurities because of social media because of all the fucking high level of communications going on it's gross actually i feel so sorry for them there's a level of like needing to take your relationship for granted but there are times where you do need to like help someone work through their insecurities Mm -hmm. but like if you're a pro athlete like i can't imagine being a fighter and getting ready to fucking fight for your life in a cage and your girlfriend's like so are you still talking to that girl like like, do you know what I mean? Like, all that shit has to go away. I'm guessing. Yeah, you got to have a rock star wife or a rock star partner. Right. You got to have that person that's going to go in the Who? battle with you. That's what uh, I mean. That's that's something that I, I'm gonna. I got to give a shout out to my wife, Maisie. She's been incredible. She's been a rock star, hardcore warrior in this battle of having a child. When I be like, I started CrossFit when I was uh, in 2009. I was. 27, 28, I think. And then I didn't get serious with it um, until uh, 2012. Like I fully dedicated a year before 2012 because I saw these individual athletes having fun and and I went team. Uh, So I went individual in 2009 um, and then team 2010. That's when when we podiumed. Uh, And then team again in 2011. And the only reason was that because it was inconsistent training inconsistent nutrition, thinking I could just come in and do it and qualify and it'd be fine where, or stay healthy where I wasn't being consistent with my training. So I got hurt and then went team. Um, but then in 2011, like we fully committed and that's when we had our first child. So then the 2011, you saying 2011. So the life of my daughter, that's all she's been exposed to was competing in CrossFit and even now to this day, but there's such a, there's such a um, dichotomy or an other side of the coin to this because the fact is that she is now seeing me, she's seen me compete. She's seen what it takes to do well in a sport. She's seen the suffering that it took, uh, the pressure of competing. She was in the stands this last year and it was the most incredible thing and every year, but this year specifically because now she's on a select soccer team 
and she's in a position where she's fighting for a starting spot. And it's like, if you want that starting spot, you got to put that work in. And it's not just a parent talking about it. She's seen what it takes. She's watched me work out a little, and then she's watched me compete and the pressure that it takes. And she's, she was a little nervous during a few of the first games, but she related that to the pressure of me competing and the way that she felt pressure when she was in the stand. So all that kind of circles around. And, um, but my, my wife, she's done, she's, she's been a rock star in this entire process because she's sacrificed time with her husband and building on a marriage versus the foundation we built before CrossFit, which wasn't a lot because we met right before I started. And then we've had to figure it out throughout the entire process. It's just been wild. So if you don't have that rockstar par- partner in life, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's a means to an end, right? And that, wouldn't, wouldn't, right. You, wouldn't you want that anyways for any battle, whether it's a career and a job or if, whether it's in uh, losing a house or what happens if uh, someone loses a job and loses the house and you got to deal with that ad- adversity, right? You got to want right. to have someone that's going to be strong in battle with you. So. And to enjoy things with you. I always trip on the fact one of the saddest things about parents who get a divorce is no one thinks your kids are cute except you. So that's the coolest thing about having a wife. So like when your kid yawns, you're like, oh, my God, he's so cute. But if you don't if you don't have a if you get a divorce or you don't have that, that would suck to not be able to share those mo- those moments with. It's like it's like did you ever have a uh, did you ever have any pets with your wife before you guys got married? Yeah, we had two dogs. And you guys thought they were the, right? Oh yeah, unbelievable! One was a one, <clears throat> like a three pound multi poo, and the other one was a Siberian husky. Yeah, that, it, it, <laughs> it, it's it's literally practice for having kids, and you'll see how the two of you will interact. Did you feed them? No, you overfed them. Like all of those like nuances and like little oh fights gosh. you have over the dogs, or did you yeah. bathe them? Or he's been outside too long. Like that. Those are your kids. But then of course you have kids and the dog like. Like, I think within two years of our, of having kids, our dog was hit by a car. He didn't die. He didn't die. But it was, it was literally because like we used to baby the dog and neglect him. And now it was like, you just opened the car door and he just ran out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As opposed to before you had kids, you carried him into the house. Right. <laughs> right. Don't get his paws wet or uh, he's cold. Put a jacket on him. It's like, what is happening right now? No, I used to yeah. used to train with my dog. That's why I got a Siberian is so I could run with it. And oh. I was training for games with him. And then after he would out when he grew up and he was faster than me and it was it wasn't even a contest. I was I was basically sprinting and he was jogging and he was like warming up for him so then I'd have to ride my bike with him and we'd go for miles and miles and miles. And You uh, still have that dog? No, he passed away a couple years ago. Thanks for bringing that up. It's a sore wound. So, <laughs> yeah. No, it's well, at, no, least you, he, uh, at least at least you had kids. It's <laughs> much worse when your dog dies and you don't have kids. Right. Oh my gosh, I could not believe how much that dog pulled on my heart when he died. I, I grew up on a farm, so all the animals and the dogs on the farm were utility animals. They were they weren't they didn't mean a lot to me. They were they were they were part of the farm, right? They were utility. But then this dog, I picked him out myself, um, ran with him, named him, took care of him, um, uh, you know, just hung out with him as a real pet. And I was like, oh, it'll be fine if I, if, just preparing myself, if I ever lose him, it'll be fine. It's just another pet. Or if he ends up dying, just preparing for that, I'm, oh, it'll be another pet. And then uh, just out of nowhere, he dies, had some heart issue, just 
in like a day and a half, just like, bam, gone. And where was he? He was in your house. Uh, he was in the backyard and he started coughing. And then I was like, I'll just take him for a little walk. Uh, with him, it wasn't a walk. It was a run. And he walked out of the gate of uh, the backyard and I've never seen him walk out of the backyard gate. He would sprint out. And, uh, I was like, okay, well, that's weird. So I took him out for a little walk and then I was like, something's not right. So I took him to the vet and we had to put him down like an hour later. And it literally ripped my heart out of my chest. I never knew that an animal could attach itself so well. And now I know. And then, I, yeah. then I'm like, okay, well, that's going to be like times 10 for a child. So, Oh, that can't happen. That won't happen, no. right? That's, that's no, a, no, no, that yeah, can't happen. Yeah. That can't happen. Um, uh, were you there when they put your dog down? Yeah, I was holding him. It was, it was insane. It was a whole different level, man. Um, I, I have had three great Danes and they all three towards the end there had to be put down. And the first one was like terrifying for me. I'd never done anything like that. But as I walked out of that office, I felt this like sense of accomplishment that I didn't expect at all. First of all, I started saying shit to the dog. I couldn't believe that was coming out of my mouth. I was talking to the dog like I was losing a loved one. Like, like I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a big uh, God guy at all. Um, I'm not a religious guy, but I started like, words started coming out of my mouth like I'm gonna see the dog in the afterlife. I'm like, who the fuck is this talking? Like, right? Like, <laughs> it was weird. And, um, but I, but well, it's so important to be there, I think, for your dog. Like, like if anyone who ever has to put their dog down, don't let them take the dog in the back room and do it. Like, you got like you have to be holding your dog. Suck it yeah. fucking the fuck up and be there. Right. Like, it, it sucks, but, but you will be – it's okay. You make it through it. You actually are better – I'm a better person for being there and holding my dog and crying with my dog and, like, being supportive. I actually tried, like, not to cry until, like, after, right? I'm trying to be strong for the dog so he feels, like, safe and cool and then mm-hmm. – but but I but I know people who've done that like just let their dog go in the back. I would never leave my dog with a vet. Period. Like I like if they're like, hey, we need to squeeze his fucking prostate or whatever and squeeze the shit out of it or whatever. I'll be like, okay, do it right here. They're like, oh, it smells really bad. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm cool. I want like, yeah, just just like I wouldn't let them take my kid in the back. Like, nah, I'm good. Whatever you're gonna do to him. Right. If I faint, I'll just faint here in the corner. Don't worry about me. Just another piece of responsibility. Yes. Right. Yes. If you're gonna if you're gonna take the dog, be ready for all of it. If you're gonna if you're gonna have a kid, be ready for all of it. All of it. The good, the bad. This is kind of a crazy crazy story. I when I was in college, I had I had a Great Dane, and um, when I was there was a point became where I basically lost everything. My parents didn't want to pay for my college anymore, and I became homeless. And I was homeless for two years. And the only thing I kept, I got rid of everything I owned, so that I could. I mean, I was fucking homeless. And, but I kept my dog and my dog was my number one priority. I had taken, like, he was my responsibility. He was a big ass great thing where we were going to sleep, which backyard we were going to sleep in, which tree, which dumpster we were going to go to in the morning to get food out of the dog had to fucking be taken care of. He was my responsibility. Like, and, uh, it, it, through those years that I was living in Isla Vista, California, I made a list of every single person who I knew who had a dog because like a lot of my, my friends had dogs, college kids, other homeless people. And I made a list of like 140 people or 147 people. I can't remember who had dogs. And there were only three of us 
who got our dog out of that 140 who got our dogs and then put our dogs down or our dogs died in our possession. All the others they either gave away, they got lost, they got hit by a car. Like there was some sort of neglect. Like the dog they treated the dog like a like what I would call like a fucking purse, right? Like oh it was stolen. Right. You know what I mean? Like on the 4th of July, close the fucking gate to your backyard. You know dogs run away. On the 4th of July, if you're a fucking dog owner, you need to sit with your dog. That, yeah. that And going back to what you're saying, sacrifice. You don't just leave them out in the backyard and go with your family somewhere, your friends to get drunk and listen to fireworks. Fireworks fuck dogs up. That's sorry. You got the dog. Like deal with that shit. Anyway, it was crazy how many people don't respect, um, don't, don't respect that relationship with their dog. Yeah. Responsibility. You ever, you ever had cats? No, I've I've really wanted cats, but um, I, that that would be fucking hard because I think that they should be outside. But man, it would suck to come home and like he's hit by a car. That would suck. Yeah. Have you had, had cats? Farm, we had a farm cat. That's about it. Was he I dope? Nuts. Dude, just like broken tail, one eye. <laughs> yes, clipped ear. Oh, like the feral thing. Oh like my they, gosh! Just insane, though, man. That, that that cat kept that farm intact. It was like mice, everything, birds. They are actually—I um, don't know if this is true or not—but I've heard that they're that the house cat is the most efficient hunter on the planet because they get. I like mean, they're all edge. my neighbors' cats are always hunting in my yard. I have to, I have a huge gopher right. problem. Yeah, it's like one in every three attempts. They're catching something, whether it's like a bug or a cricket or a bird or a mouse or like literally insane. And then you declaw them and they can still catch things. It's like you take away their primary hunting tool and they can still do it. So it's like pawing them to death. But anyway. Would you ever declaw a cat? No, man. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. The people that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just not that. I'm not not that guy. I don't even. I don't. uh, I get it. I get flack for it all the time, but I do not take uh, um, the balls from the men of the uh, the dogs. No, no, I don't think you should do that either. Just I didn't do it. that to Let my dogs go. either. Yeah, but they're not anyway. your balls. They're not your balls. <laughs> okay, so, so kids and sugar. You were going to tell a story. About, okay, go ahead. You choose. Yeah, the kids and the sugar, sugar, man. Yeah. The kids and sugar. So, uh, and, and look, I'll, I'll. I'll provide some dessert for my kids every once in a while, right? I gave my I gave my child a cupcake, right? And we'll do that stuff. We'll have we'll go out for ice cream. We'll 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 live a little bit. We'll have fun. But there's there's ways there's things that we use that as a. It's not necessarily a reward. It's just about enjoying life a little bit, right? But anyway, so this one time is it is it wrong to use it as a reward? Because I use it as a reward. No, I don't think no. That's I mean. You can do whatever you want with your kids, dude. Okay. Um, some people, some people don't like to use dessert or sweets as a reward. It's more of like items that, um, you know, like a, like items like toys or something like that, where it doesn't encourage them. Like if they do well, they need to go and have dessert the rest of their life type thing. Right. But, right. Um, no, we like just, you're, like you, it's a, like it's a bad habit to get into. Type right, to the right. reward but system. But I've used okay. it as rewards in the past too. So anyway, so I we've gave my son he was four years old at the time we gave him a cupcake and it had about an inch of ice cream or an inch of frosting on the top and then the <clears> cupcake <throat> was on the bottom and he ate the the i keep saying ice cream he ate the frosting within like five seconds like all of the frosting and then about 15 to 25 seconds later he stops and looks at me because he didn't make it all the way down to the cupcake and he's like i'm starting to go blind 
And I was like, what? He's like, dad, I can't even, I can't see right now. And he's like, he just went into like a sugar induced thing where he couldn't even see. And I was like, and that's right there. The practical application of what sugar is going to do to my child. Right. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh. And because we didn't feed our kids a lot of desserts, a lot of sugars, but then he goes to town on this one. It was a special occasion and it happens. And then he feels terrible and then, well, well, I just did a little bit of a disservice to my child. Again, have desserts, do whatever you want. Just be mindful of what that's going to do to your child. So. I, I, I will say this, and I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to say it like it's true. None of my kids had added sugar before they were two, maybe not even three. And by that, I mean, like, on their first birthday, like, I didn't get my kids a cake. I wasn't like, oh, it's their birthday, they get a cake and ice cream. Fuck that. They didn't get it when they were one. They didn't get it when they were two. I didn't, I didn't give them even honey. Like, they ate shit like the, like, the, 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 the biggest dessert they would have in their first three years of life would be like a banana smash with avocado. And to this day, so then the other day I went to, I went to the beach and the, and this is the good thing about having three boys. We were at the beach and they ate a, uh, they were eating bacon and eggs and then we were going to head down to the beach and I bought them a chocolate chip cookie and I split it into three pieces. That's the best thing about having three kids. You can split everything into three pieces. And, um, two of the boys were like, Hey, it's too sweet. And they gave it back to me. They took a bite and they're like, Hey, it's too sweet. And I get it because like I would buy them just a bag of fucking lettuce and throw it in the back of the car and they would eat that as kids like that, like, like yeah. the, their taste buds. It's like, there's a whole lifetime. Your job is just to take care of your kids. There's a whole lifetime for them to go away to college, buy a fucking loaf of wonder bread and spread Nutella on it and sit there with their girlfriend and eat the fucking whole thing. Knock your, knock your socks off kid. I, I, who that's what the beautiful woman that you love and a bag of white bread and chocolate spread. There's nothing better in life. Indulge. But like, yeah, like why are you giving your kids? I would literally go to the store. I would literally go with my friends to let's say an ice cream shop and they would buy ice cream to bring home to their kids. Their kids weren't even there asking for it. And I'd be like, what? That's not okay. In, in my opinion, that, that that's not your job to like right. bring the poison home. They're not even here putting pressure on you. <laughs> like, like what mechanism in your brain? It, it just seems so selfish. I, 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 uh, but so, so what's interesting is we did, we, I did use sugar as a reward. I've talked about this extensively with my um, son, Avi. I basically, when he started riding a skateboard at five and a half, I told him every hundred days, I'll buy you ice cream. I'll buy you an ice cream cone. So he made, and then on the 365th day, if you make it a year, consecutive days, if you ever miss a day, the game's over. But 365 days consecutive, and I'll buy you an ice cream cake, and you can invite people over to the house. And he made it. Every 100 days, he got the ice cream cone. But now, he's do, his other challenges, so now moving forward, he's, he's over the sugar. He did 100 days running a mile every day. He got a go-kart. And uh, what's he doing now? Now he's going to do a workout every day for a dollar, but he doesn't want the dollars until he gets to 100 days because he wants to own a $100 bill. Right. So I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. I know. It's I, was, awesome. hey, I, su- I sucker my great. I sucker my mom to buy all that shit, by the way. Yeah. Right. Like on right, day 99, I'm like, Hey mom, you want to sponsor this? Uh, you want to sponsor this event? Avi's doing for the hundred dollar bill. Yeah. 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 Sponsors. So the crazy thing is too, that, um, money and food, I'm corrupting. It's myself. more popular for people to respond in a way of being like, Oh my gosh, Savan, that is terrible. Why would you do that? You're being such a, sugar an anti-sugar nazi right yeah but what the state of that first of all 
we've gotten here somehow. Right. And here, meaning the state of America, the state of the world in regards to the level of obesity, the level of chronic disease, the level of uh, metabolically being unhealthy. Somehow we've gotten to this point. And what you're talking about is something that was very common back in the 1950s, 60s and 70s, where it's like sugar wasn't something you just brought home. And I wasn't alive back then, but I was assuming and looking at a lot, a lot of the consistencies, the sugar wasn't just brought home. It wasn't just there. That was, a, that was a, a delicacy, a special, special occasion type thing. Um, I love it when my kids will walk up to the fridge, open up the fridge, and then there's readily available sliced vegetables that they can grab. There's fruit that they can have. There's pieces of meat that they can munch on. Right, little things like that, and then did your parents do that for you? Like, could you uh, you used to come home and there'd be like carrots floating in a cup of water, and like you'd be like, all right, no, yeah, well, yeah, like tomatoes and pickles and little carrots and and celery, yeah, 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 just little things like that. My mom chopped all that shit up and kept it in the fridge. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. And then on the flip side, though, is is uh, um, we had like the white bread and then the butter and then just plain sugar on there too. So you just had little things like that. So. I had a few thousand of those. I had a few thousand of just a butter and sugar. Oh man. How did you do Butters. butter and on a cracker? Butter on a cracker. I did, well, I did worse. I did margarine. We, 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 my, my, my family uh-huh. followed all the trends, non, the non-fat yogurt, the non-fat milk, the non-fat Ritz crackers, the, the margarine, the, we, oh, the wheat bread's good for you. Um, the only thing my mom, we didn't get into was we didn't do, um, my mom never got into artificial sweeteners for some reason, those, but she was trying to do the right thing. You know what I mean? Like she was yeah. being health conscious. Oh, I'm going to get you the non-fat Keebler elves crackers, you know? Oh, but nice. Look at eat, her. Eat two, eat two boxes of them while I watch Scooby-Doo, you know, like <laughs> I was a chubby kid as a, as a, as a chubby slothful kid. I was raised to avoid discomfort at all costs. I was, I was basically raised. It, it, and unfortunately this, I don't mean to upset anyone, but this, that's, that is the liberal ideology to avoid discomfort. And it wasn't until I was 34 that I found CrossFit and thank God I did because it's basically the manual for for life and success discomfort is actually how you get um adaptation growth and happiness you need those and like you don't ever get to you can't ever that's why it's kind of silly this new motto that crossfit has happiness is just a byproduct you can never get in, in my opinion you can never work for happiness but you can do all of these smart things these formulas you can there's the recipe for baking a cake and there's a recipe for happiness and part of those things is just hard work and discomfort and like facing your fears i mean that's why i do this mm-hmm. podcast i don't want to do this podcast i want to stay home and play with my kids I mean, you're, it's probably kind of like that with um, uh, the games for you right mm-hmm. like like you yeah. like like it uh, well we've learned to we've, we've learned to like the hard work but 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 it still is hard work and but but we do it we're baking a cake we're constantly just baking a cake putting in the work do you find um that the podcast is more work than pleasure. Everything around the podcast is more work than pleasure. The actual time, like this part now with you, this part is great. Yeah. Everything else around it is like, um, 
you know, like I'm at the skate park, I'm at, I'm, I'm at jujitsu yesterday and, um, I'm thinking like, and I'm trying to watch my kid and questions are popping up to ask Kyle Kasperbauer, right? In my head. And now, mm-hmm. but, but that, that's cool. But now this other thought pops up. Should you be writing that down or should you be pushing that out of your head or that, you know, you know what I mean? It's just, it's the, I don't, and don't get, I'm not complaining at all. This is like, I do, you do this to yourself on purpose, but it's to, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but no, it, it, that's a hard question for me to ask. All right, well, to answer. Well, Savan, that's part of it too, right? Like no, like one of the things that drives me nuts is when people are like, I love to compete, but I don't like the work to put in to compete. Uh, it's like, okay, so wait a second. So you're telling me that you only want to compete, but you don't want to put all the work in to get there? Like, are you, are you really seriously saying that? So you want to have a CrossFit gym but you don't want to do all the things involved in owning the CrossFit gym. You just want to have the CrossFit gym. You just want to make the games. You want to compete. You just want right. to have the podcast, but you don't want to. And that's where it's like appreciating um, and valuing that process. It's like, no, like, yes, work is work and we're not going to enjoy a ton of it. But it's also it's that balance of like, all right, well, this out this reward outweighs that. Right. It's like the benefit of this right now with your podcast definitely outweighs the 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 pain in the butt work that you could be spending towards your family or kids but it's worth it it's worth it in the end so i I think you're helping me flesh this out it's kind of so so thought so last night um it's uh 8 30 at night i kind of wanted to do a second workout and instead of doing a second workout and i started going out into the gym and then i was but i still needed to do a bunch of research for this podcast that i was going to do with you tonight and so i was like i was just about i just put on my workout clothes and i was going to go out to the gym and i was like fuck that's like and i convinced myself that if i worked out i would do the research better and i'd already worked out once and i was like okay fuck it i'm not going to work out so i'm in my gym clothes and i come back and sit in front of my computer and i start researching it and everything even the, like i hated everything up to the point of the second i sat down and opened your instagram and opened up google and started googling on Kyle Casper then all of a sudden i had fun and i got like my favorite pen in my hand and i'm learning shit about you and i'm seeing pictures on your instagram that i took that you didn't give me credit for and i'm going through this thought of hating you and canceling the <laughs> podcast because of it and like and like all that shit i loved it's kind of the same thing with like um trees in my backyard i love going to the nursery i love buying the tree and that yeah. space in between bringing the tree home and starting to dig the hole I fucking hate. So I bought Mm -hmm. these two trees the other day, these two fruit trees, and they've been sitting in my yard now for two days. And there's this pressure mounting to get them in the ground. And like, I just need, I know second I get the shovel in my hand and I start digging, I'll be like, yeah, look at me. I'm the shit. And I'll just be in heaven. (laughs) Right. But, but like, and and then when the fruit, it there um i i wish i could tell you i bought these three fruit trees i have i have over 100 fruit trees in my yard i got peach trees i got everything oh my but, gosh dude but i bought these you i went any- online the other day my my wife can hear me i should be careful saying this do you have a, um, i went do you have gnomes in the backyard do you have gnomes no gar- do we have garden gnomes no but i got like i got other like sacrilegious uh statues like like like, like buddhas do. buddhas and shit no gnomes oh. no no i'm the only gnome in the backyard <laughs> Um, but I went online and I picked out three trees. I just looked at for the rarest fruit that can grow in California. And there were these three fruit trees. I had never heard of three different kinds. I'd never heard of them. So I bought them. And, and, and like, I always feel guilty doing it because my, my whole family knows I have way too many trees in my yard already. So it's kind of like I'm sneaking yeah. it, 
even though like I'm a grown ass man, it's my money. It's like, like, Oh shit. And then like, you know I have what, to sneak though? away to the nursery and get gopher baskets. Your, uh, and You're such a, just a badass. I'm naughty. That's, that's like a very, that's completely <laughs> rebellious. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that's a married man with three yes. children and you're being rebellious. That's your way of yes. just taking it to the man. That's what you're doing. It, and and, and it, it's all made up in my head too. My wife always says like after I plant them, I'll be like, look at the trees and I'm waiting to get in trouble and I never do. She's like, oh, cool. You know, right. but, you but I caught. always feel, but I always feel like I'm doing something bad. I always feel, but, but she's always like supports me, but I always feel like, oh shit. Anyway. So then after I did the research last night at 1030 at night, I still went out to the gym and I worked out. I put on some UFC and I did a cool workout. I just did bench press, deadlifts and assault bike. And just for, for an hour, awesome. went to bed at midnight and yeah. And now here I am with you. Went to bed at midnight? Yeah. I don't sleep very much. I sleep like six hours a night and then probably like a one-hour nap during the day. Okay. What do you sleep? Uh, Probably eight, seven, seven. Oh, I I did seven because I woke up early this morning. So I was up at like 5.20. You own uh, a gym? Yes. CrossFit um, Kinesis. Kinesis, yep. What does Kinesis mean? Uh, basically, it's the effect of a stimulus placed on it. It's it's a derivative of kinesiology. I co-own it with a, a great partner, Nissa Cohen. I've known her oh, for many years. Do I know her? That name sounds familiar. Tell me her name again. I want to look her up and see well, if I see a picture. Well, her original name is, well, original maiden name is Nissa Ryder. Uh, she's uh-huh. been married for, I think, two or three years. Gosh, I should I should know how many years she's been married. But uh, she just went over to it. Just went over to Nissa Cohen. So I don't know if you know her or not. You might. Uh, movement or activity of an organism in response to a stimulus such as light, kinesis, any manifestation of dynamic energy. And cytology, cytology, a short expression of karyokinesis. I shouldn't have tried reading three different definitions. I think you were. I think you were good on the first definition. You should have stopped. Yeah. I should have. I would have said it sounded it really smart until you started. You kept reading. <laughs> started showing what words I can't read. Um, is that your is that your vocation, Jim? You you support a family running a gym. Um. Yes. Um. That's one. And my wife has uh, her own business as well. And what is so she? So we do? work to. She's a nurse practitioner. in child psychiatry. Oh shit! Wow. So, yeah. Does she so experiment while, on your kids? Was, she tries to experiment on me on a daily, I tell you. But um, also, yeah, with the kids, it's something to where it's like behavior modification through reinforcement. So, and... Um, Can you give me an example of that? You have a group of children in your room or in, in a classroom, let's say just a classroom. It doesn't have to be a classroom, but... You have a group of children and three of them are misbehaving and two of them are behaving and doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. You've asked what, what you've asked them to do. And the, the typical wrong thing to do would be give the three kids that are misbehaving all the attention the whole time and just assume that since the other kids that have done exactly what you asked them to do, you're paying attention to the other ones and ignoring the ones that you're doing. Now, that was a model that um, my wife, Macy, her parents actually developed and created a full business and a life and a franchise. And now they're about to sell that business. Um, And that doesn't relate to my wife's business, but 
it does relate to the behavior modification model that I've learned from my wife. And now she is a, in, in psychiatry. She benefits from that background and is able to specialize in children and adolescent. So, and <clears throat> honestly, it's helped with me too. But just the fact of like, hey, Stevon, you just did something well. I'm going to reward you. And then if you aren't doing something well, you don't get the reward, but you're not necessarily going to get punished. You get something else. But, you know, it's, it's a give and take in this model. Um, but I've learned a lot from it. And it's helped me. Um, it's helped me and my wife discipline our children on a consistent basis and a consistent model. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I got spanked when I was a kid. And some of that, not worked, much, some of but not didn't. much, but tried, they tried. My mom tried a little, right. my mom, my dad, I would get just like the hand, like came up, comes just up from nowhere and you take one. But my mom was more like, Hey, get the spoon. And you're like, fuck that. And you run outside. Dude, I get, you know I what fly, I mean? Like <laughs> the end of a fly swatter, brother. End of oh, a fly yeah. swatter. Yeah. That would be. Whew. I also figured out a trick to where if you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. this end, this end? No, the this? other end, and it was a oh. metal fly swatter. Oh, oh man, oh man. But so the trick was, if you if you flattened out, so if you're in a plank position and you uh-huh. squeeze your butt, it wouldn't uh-huh. hurt as much. So if they're doing oh. it with their hand, it didn't hurt as much. So then my wife, or my, my my wife, my mom had to go get tools to punish me. But it didn't happen very often. But when it did, I can I definitely remembered it. So. You really are, uh, you really are CrossFit kinesis. You really are kinesiology. <laughs> you crack the code, shine the light on the bug, and it moves. But the fly swatter wasn't going to move you. Okay, so sorry. So your wife, yeah. So, so spanking. So spanking's not good because kids get it's just negative attention. Well, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not good. I mean, and any parent can do what they want. I'm just saying that as long as you take um, your rings off before you hit them, it's fine. <laughs> well, if it's a closed fist, it's abuse, right? But right, you know, right. I didn't say that either. But. Um, Either way, uh, no, so then we, I primarily, that's my primary focus is all in with CrossFit Kinesis. I, I'm, I'm a very present owner. Um, uh, I enjoy the classes. I, I enjoy being part of the community. As an athlete at the elite level, you remove yourself from the community. Um, it just happens. You end up removing yourself from the community, and that's just part of, that's just part of that to where you have to do extra more and honestly, nobody else is out there on the floor with you uh, when in competition. So you have to be able to, you have to be used to being by yourself. And, and when you win, it's even more so. You're isolating even more. But uh, or you have a small number of of athletes that you're training with, which you start seeing that at the higher level, at whether it's individual team or or at the masters level. But um, so I try to embrace. I try to embrace what God has gifted me, and that's that's the gym, that's a community, that's a it's a family, that's an environment that's positive. There's there are some some of the grind of being a business owner, but again, it's the it's that gratitude mentality that changes everything. Like I can either complain about it or I can be thankful for it, and then do the the other stuff that's the nitty gritty administrative work that was one of the reasons that I want to open up a gym in the first place is to get out of the office. So um, yeah. go back, go, go, go back to the, um, uh, by the way, you said something really interesting there I, I, that affected me when I was a, 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 a young man, someone tried to give me something and I refused it. And they said, Hey, if you don't accept the gifts that God gives you, he'll stop giving. 
And that was a yeah. huge that like because you know how they say you should always accept gifts gracefully or you should learn to accept things gracefully. That shit never resonated with me. But when I heard it this other way, I was like, that resonated with me. Like I get it. Like we're like like I get like like I get it. Dude, I, I, well, I, I feel I feel the universe showering me with shit all the time, and I just have to be really really aware and open to receiving it and and, and exactly. passing it forward, letting it flow through me like. And if you try to stop it or don't be and, – and, and I sense gratitude is kind of that like acceptance and letting it flow through you. It's like basically mm-hmm. like someone drives a car into your garage. It's yours when it's in your garage and then it drives out the back. And just keep making room for more and more shit like to come in and go out and like – and everything around you will flourish, right? It's like this the, – the I don't know how to explain it. No, that's exactly right. Well, it's like this. Savannah, if you – if deep in your heart you wanted to do something kind for me – and you wanted to do that for me and you had a reason or a motivation that was just like, you know what? I just want to love on this dude real quick. Um, I want to do that for him. And I just declined that. What kind of a horse's ass am I to decline that from you? Because then one, you're not able to bless me or gift me right. with that thing that you wanted to give me. Right. And what I did was actually cause either some sort of resentment or something inside of you that wasn't there before. And all you want to do is love on me as a dude and be like, Hey, uh, I just want to buy you lunch. Um, no, man, I got it. I got it. Um, all right. Just, and that's a sense of confidence too. When you can accept a, a compliment or if you can accept a gift from someone gracefully like that, mm. that is showing one, you can be confident in yourself to receive that. And it's like, okay, I don't have to be the, this big tough guy all the time. And yeah. no, I got all this all the time. No, nobody's got to figure it out all the time. But just right. also just receiving that gift from you shows confidence in me as well. So I refuse to let my gonna... wife. I, ref, I refuse to let my wife take the trash out. I re- fucking refuse. Well, that's. I mean, we're I apologize. To, I apologize to God right now if that's something He's wanting me to give up. I'm not. I'm not. I'm holding on to that till the day I die. But why? Why is that? Is that because you're, you're a gentleman, gentleman? You want to do that? And you're like, no, man. I got. That's my job. I want to do that. I want to be responsible for that. That's both. Different. Both. 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 Like. Like. Like it's the fucking garbage and i don't like i i i don't think it's like a bad duty but like i just uh, my mom just but from when i was a little kid she'd tell me take out the garbage and it's what Mm -hmm. i do it's just like the same thing when i walk down the street i don't let my wife walk on the um side of the street yeah the outside and and when i grew up in in berkeley and oakland the reason for that is because that the women were if the woman was on the outside she was seen as a prostitute but that but but it's also just a it's a ritual I'm comfortable with. I'm comfortable being a sexist asshole that, that, that wants to – now, some things have transcended that sexism. I used to I, – I don't just hold doors open for women. I hold doors open for all, all people. Mm-hmm. But I will, like, hold doors open longer for um, more attractive people, old people, and people of other ethnicities. Well, there you're that, just that's, talking that's about – that, <laughs> That's the racist part about, of me. Well – I do. Um, I actually do do that. I do do that. If you were walking, be if you, if I was walked into Starbucks and you were coming behind me, I would give you get like a six second window. If you're if you're if you're a black dude I, or a black chick, I give you like a twelve second window. Or if you're a hot chick, or if you're an old person, or if you're a kid. But if it's you, sorry, and and it's, it's not like gonna be rude. I don't. 
No, white not a regular white dude me. doesn't get that. No, no uh, because I because I want I want to be nicer to pre- I'm just nicer sure. to pretty. It, it's just like flowers in my yard. I'm nicer to the prettier flowers. Uh, it's just it is that way. And I and I have a, a soft spot for um, kids and obviously old people. I just I, I guess my mom just raised me right and black people because I don't want them or or even like Asian or anything because I don't want we have all this tension around us and I feel the pressure and I don't want to be an asshole to them. Same thing with like if you were trying to pass to get in front of me in the lane in front of me and you're a black dude, I'll, I'll hit, tap my brakes and let you get in front of me. You're a white dude. It's like, dude, you got like use your fucking. I would be like, use your fucking blinker. You know what I mean? Get in where you fit in. It's just, it's bad. It's horrible. It's horrible. Um, well, when it's, you're it's over, about- it's over. It's overcompensation. Yeah, so I do that. Yeah, when you're five five, you have all sorts of overcompensation all over your life. <laughs> just a, you get a big just truck, a, a big dog. Just a garden gnome walking around the back back. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, um, sorry, I'm all over the place. No, no. I think I think uh, what you're talking about the trash taken out for your wife. That's just chivalry, bro. Chivalry's chivalry's dead. Uh oh. Chivalry's you dead. A, you make me look up another word. Well, just doing ni- nice things for your wife. That's that's something different. But if it's it, it but if it's something that you want to go out of your way and serve her, and she does it and she declines that, you know, uh, how's that going to make you feel? It's a mounted uh, qualities of the ideal knight, the system of spirit or customs of medieval knighthood. Am I looking up the right word? Yeah, I guess. They, oh, gallant or distinguished gentleman. Yeah, my mom always wanted me to be a gentleman. And I think part of that has to do with just like being nice to, uh, to, to everyone, but, all, but especially to women and children and old people. She never told me to be extra nice to black people. That's just like a societal pressure I got. And, black and what about like Asian? Whatever, Mexican? whoever that week, whoever that week in the new, no, not Mexican, not Mexican, not Mexican. There's because Mexican, I'm, I'm Eastern, numb to Mexicans. They're the same as white people in California. They, they fucking got to turn their blinker on too. They're, they're my equal. <laughs> Fuck those guys. But, uh, but, but just whatever, whatever the flavor is of the, of the, of the, of the month to be concerned about. Just like if I, if I can't tell if you're, uh, if I can't tell if you're a man or a woman, um, I'll be extra nice to you too, just because, like, just trying to overcompensate for, like, just trying to overcompensate. Not like, not like crazy extra nice, but you know what I mean. Just like a little, a little more, a little more presence for you. Sure. Like I say, how are you? And I actually give a fuck what your answer is. Where if I ask you, I'm just like, okay, move out of my way. I need to get to those cucumbers. <laughs> you know what I mean? At the grocery store. <laughs> oh, dude. Yep. Was, uh, anyway, sorry. No, I'm not going there. Go ahead. You're go talking ahead. about cucumber. No, it's. Uh, <laughs> I feed my kids a lot of cucumbers. I feed my kids a lot of cucumbers. It's my go-to snack. The little Persian ones. If I go to the grocery store, my wife always sends me a text. We've always done that since they've been very, very little. Since even before they had teeth, I would wash a cu- Persian cucumber, um, put it in the fridge. They like putting it in their mouth when they were teething. It would be cold, and then eventually, when they started eating, cucumber, ultimate snack. And I would cut off the ends because it's a little bitter there. And uh, did, did you have what's a go-to a, what's, snack? What's the difference between Persian cucumber and? They're little. They're the little tiny ones. And oh, they're like, okay. They look like almost like little pickles. And so a okay. kid can hold it in his hand. It's not like the big giant one with the thick skin. They're awesome. Yeah. How uh, holding doors open longer for black people, dude, letting a black dude in traffic sev on you are so woke. I know. I know. I'm not. I, I, I walk this walk of like trying to be like this fucking non-woke motherfucker but i i'm not perfect i um how is it owning a business and ha- like you are in a um 
in a you have a lot of you have a lot of clients. You have a, a, a space where a lot of people come in, and then you have a, not only that, you have an owner of your gym. How are you managing all of these polarizing ideas? And, and they're not like normal polarizing ideas. It's not like where you're fighting over someone like, hey, is, is, um, are electric cars better than gas cars? These are things now that are like people are talking about taking needles and injecting our kids with a substance outside of our uh, control. Like, and, and, and how do you deal with that? Like, how do you, how do you run a business and take money from someone and treat them with love and care and benevolence and try to grow them as human beings? Well, meanwhile, they're voting in politicians who think that your kids should be held down and injected with a drug. I mean, that, that's basically, at least for me, that's like what it's starting to come down to. Like, holy shit, you voted for that guy that wants to put a needle in my kid. Yeah, that's a, that's by force. Like, how do you manage that? I'm okay if you think electric cars are better than gas cars. I'm even okay if you think Armenians are dumb fucks. I'm I'm even okay like if you think short people shouldn't mate anymore. Like I'm okay with all these things. I'm so fucking cool. You can you can hate me for like uh, all these things and I can still love you. But like the thing like you want to put a needle on my kid now. I'm like you 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 kind of got to go. Yeah. You kind of you kind of you can't be like you got to go. You can't be around here. <laughs> Short people not mating anymore. That's a funny one. Yeah, I'm fine um, with that. That's a totally legit opinion. I see it. <laughs> I see it. I totally see it. No, I think uh, that's a. But that's I don't see injecting my question. kid with stuff against the against my will. Yeah. Like, like I, I don't even see like one tiny little bit of it. Yeah. Um, no, that's a t- that's that's a great question, Savon. I think uh, I think a lot of CrossFit box owners are figuring it out as they go. Um, but for, for me, uh, I'm lucky to have a great team that, uh, surrounds me with the, with Nissa and then the rest of the staff, um, to where once we can meet and consistently communicate on this, on what direction we're going to go. And that direction is the fact that, look, we have a gym and, and our, the purpose of the gym is to literally continue to fight chronic disease. That's, that's, that's our sole purpose of kinesis is to fight chronic disease through fitness and all these other topics and, 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 and diet and diet and community. Right. Right? Those yes, are the three diet, pieces. Yeah, right. Yes. Through cross, well, through CrossFit fitness right. and nutrition and, um, and community. And, those are the, would you say those are the three pieces, fitness, uh, fitness, diet and community like support 100%. And, and okay. the word community, it actually, that's a very powerful thing, and, and that, I think that's one of the primary reasons why CrossFit is so successful is, um, is just the value of a true group of people that are happy and, for the most part, get along, or even if they don't get along, they make it cordial, and it's, it's a deeper meaning. Um, there's, there's, this, uh, there's this book, and it's called uh, The Nine Essential habits for a healthy life and it's and they find these seven areas they're called seven blue zones and the blue zones are just as they're they're areas throughout the world of these these populations that are consistently starting to live past 100 years old and what's happening is uh they the this these individuals go into these locations and there's there's like a, a small area outside of greece Another another spot, uh, an island outside of Italy, Sardinia. Okinawa is a location. Um, uh, an area in California like Lome Lona, or Lo- I can't remember the actual town. Or city. Loma Vista. 
Oh, hi. No, no, it's, I'll, I'll I think, but I'm not from California. I'm from Nebraska. So I barely know that. So, but either way, I, one of the, I, tell, one, are there any states where they don't have, um, uh, uh, state tax where the, where it's a blue zone. Anyway, I'll look that up afterwards. <laughs> I want to move there. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to move. Okay, go on. Yeah, I bet. So anyway, <clears throat> so anyway, they're like, they go into these areas and they're like, what is the difference? What is, what is making this area special in, in regards to every other place else in the world and the and what do these places have in common and obviously there's there's the common areas like either uh, there's exercise more days than not or if it's not exercise it's living living an active healthy lifestyle eating is a part of that right the obvious things of like no smoking um but then there's uh, there's another key ingredient um that is consistent across all the other uh, across all of the zones and that is a community a supportive community and and crossfit has embraced that and, and empowered that of community and that's one of the reasons i mean these people are living past 100 years old consistently in these different zones in the world and it's because, because of yes exercise yes of nutrition yes of no smoking yes of uh, um, uh, drinking but in moderation and laughing but then the community is so so important and more valuable than people think and and if if you're a part of a gym but you're not in getting involved in that community you are so missing out and i used to be a part of a big box gym that kept talking about community but nobody knew what it meant they just kept saying it they didn't know what it was so um that that right there is how we've gotten through this crazy two years that's been more volatile than any other year that I've ever been alive that I can remember. And some of those years I was so embraced in my own narcissism as a teenager or a young athlete that I couldn't even have noticed anyway. But right. now it's just so in your face and you can't even avoid it because it's on social media and this thing called social media that brings everything to you right now. Um, that's been how we've kind of navigated and just one understood what our mission was our purpose of why the gym was there it's not to get political it's not to make a stance and all of that mm. right now and that's not mm. saying that i'm not or that i'm not doing it individually <clears throat> but as a gym and a team and the mission of the gym it's to get to that barbell to spend time with the barbell the barbell doesn't care who you are it doesn't care what color you are it doesn't care how old you are it just cares the fact that you spend time with it it's the time that you and when you're in the gym we try to keep it as neutral as possible and um again i i i know people that completely think opposite like completely opposite of me on every issue possible but if I can sweat and suffer in fitness next to that person, then at least meaning I'm they think they think that instead of holding the door an extra five seconds for a black person, you should actually um, not hold it open at all. Is that what you mean by the opposite? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> fuck. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, oh, go on, go on. Sorry. Good stuff. Good jump in, Savannah. Yes, that's yes. great. So, so you're saying you manage it. So you're saying you manage it. That you've doubled down on your vision and your direction of what your gym is, and it's to fight chronic disease using movement, nutrition, and community. And like you, and you're trying to stay really focused on that as a business, so not to alienate anyone, even if they think differently than you. Yes. Yes, that has that has brought success to us to where we are now in a place that we've never been as a business. Wow, um, we've, good we on got, you. we Fuck had a hit, man. We had a hit. We got we got <clears throat> nobody knew what was going on a year ago. Nobody nobody knew in the entire world. Nobody, well, probably a few people knew. 
that were right. up to no good. But um, uh, and they'll get they'll get what's coming to them at some point in time in their life. That that always comes back around. But um, what we had is a gym and and the community of what we slowly mind. We were we were talking on a daily basis as a team and as a staff. We were prepared to make any move at any point in time, and, but we just kept mindfully moving forward. And the community was getting stronger. And they started actually understanding what we've been screaming from the rooftops for, what, 10 years, Savon? Yeah, 10 years, yeah. 10, maybe 20 more. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is not new. This has been predicted. This is, we've, we've been in a place to where this was predicted. And they're like, yeah, it'll, it'll come when it comes. But probably not in this life. Maybe later down the road. No, we're seeing it right now. And that's that overwhelming in. Uh, of the of the obesity and the chronic disease and the sugar overtake and, and the big the the big soda big pharma all that that whole mess is now just coming and trying to take over what we what has been clearly defined and the testimonies over time over and over and over to where it's like you're trying to get us to deny our own personal testimony because it doesn't fit someone's agenda absolutely not never in in ever. If you deny your own testimony, there's going to be some serious denial deep inside, and then that's when things get really weird for you as an individual. But as, as, a, as a community, and that includes the owners and the coaches, when people say community, that truly involves everybody, and it also involves the spouses of members that aren't even a part of that gym, and the kids, that's, a, that's part of it. But together everybody just became stronger they started to understand the mission and and the bigger purpose of what we've been trying to say as coaches and owners for for years and it's it's a uh, it's an incredible thing we've we're seeing a lot of good value in it and uh, it's it's showing some great success that i'm again it's such a blessing savon there's such a there's, there's a there's a silver lining and other side of the coin to every blessing and every curse and I think we can find that um, in, in, in owning a gym. Now, there are gyms out there that unfortunately either had to shut down um, or change up their entire model. But again, there's, here comes this sense of gratitude. I feel that in certain areas in, in the world, in the U.S., to where maybe it was like the last straw that broke the camel's back. They could have been a blessing for them to change their route in their life anyway. And it probably wasn't a good thing for them anyway. So, um, and, and there, there, there's probably people out there that absolutely do not, did not want to shut down, but sometimes you're forced into a position to where you don't want to do it. Change is so hard. It's not going to be fun. It's awful. It's terrible. And then when you have that change being forced on, you're like, actually, I'm kind of thankful for that. So, um, yeah, it's that sense of gratitude again. So just there's there's some challenge and there's some thankfulness from the season so far. I can't hear you, Savon. I muted myself. Um, it, so it, start, start over when, from when you muted yourself. I, I th- one of the things I think about when you were saying um, – that you as a team and your business came together as this thing was unfolding and you guys are basically doubling down on your focus, figuring out what's important to you and being ready. I think you didn't use the word pivot, but you guys were ready to make this work no matter what. You were guys were being flexible and real time watching the tsunami of 
insanity with all the different things, whether it be COVID, the racial strife, just all these shit just sweeping over the country, this this kind of this darkness um, that people were insisting is here. You guys kept your head above and, and just kept focusing on, okay, what can we do to basically stay alive? And I've been in positions where literally, and, and probably there's a lot of couples like this, but my wife and I, okay, what's important to us? If shit hits the fan, do we sell the house or do we move into a van? We both agree. You move into a van. No matter what, you never sell the house. And and it's like that, right? It starts becoming like – and it's not even bad. It's kind of like if you don't have that talk, if you don't all get on the same – it's a relief. Oh, shit. My wife's totally cool to fucking like – to, to move into a van and just travel around the country with the kids. You know what I mean? Okay, cool. The gym owners are totally cool that if shit hits the fan, we'll lose this thing and we'll move to a park. But the fucking the, – the show must go on. And it's going to be just as good and it's just going to be another experience. We just will do it in the park. And uh, I, I, that, I was just trying to relate to what you were saying just as this – as it seems – and and then and then the truth is, is that you come out better on the other side. I mean – I, right. I, this well, breaks well, my heart to almost say this, like I'm bragging, but it's, this has been the best two years of my life. Yeah, I mean, this has just been crazy. Well, this because it, so what, awesome. it brought you together as a, a as a family. Well, double you, down you on my kids. To, double down on my right. kids and my wife. Like triple down, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's the only thing. I, I removed all the other shit that's like not. I, the other shit just went away. Well, in that conversation you had with your wife about moving into a. Was it a van or an RV? Yeah, van, whatever. Just like, hey, basically the point was is like, hey, under no circumstances do we give up real estate. Like we own real right. estate and, and like in California and it's like it's crazy. Like you shouldn't – like everything's – good. like what's more important to us, living in a van and being able to still eat avocados and drink coffee at will or 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 owning our house? No, we'd rather mm-hmm. live in a van and still be able to buy all the avocados and coffee we want and we'll just figure it out. But fuck, you don't like you don't want to give up your real estate. Like you don't want to give up like maybe and for you guys maybe it was like, "Hey, we don't want to give up this this fight against chronic disease that we're doing, so we need to be ready to like just move it." Right. Well, and that was the other thing. And too, and we weren't there. even close to that happening, but I needed yeah. I it wasn't I didn't I never saw that I I never saw that as a reality, but I needed like to just have that conversation. Like Mm -hmm. what happens? Like I never plan on the plane crashing, but if it does happen, like do we have parachutes on? Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, that's and that's where we were at because um, Kinesis has grown to a point. We've been blessed to where we were able to um, purchase land and build our own building. And that happened three years ago. So we were all. So we were all in. We're, right before the shit hit the fan, you guys are like doubling down on your investment in your business. Savon, it was a true blessing. The timing. I can't deny this. And, and again, I, I give all this glory to God because the fact of the timing, sometimes in life when things happen and you try to deny it, but it's like the perfect dominoes are set up in place. Right. We The space that we had before would have been uh, it would have decimated our community in regards to the COVID season. It would have, it, would have, it was not the, we have a brand new HVAC system. We have uh, very large garage doors and the ventilation within there. We have the space to spread classes out. If we needed to, we had uh, the staffing ability to do so the, uh, the cleanliness of a new building. Um, these were, these are true blessings that I'm thankful for, but it was also the, the mentality that, there is no going back. There's no other option 
type mentality. Yes. Um, let's say worst case scenario that we had to downgrade to a and go to a different space and then try to rent out our space. There's, there's always that option, but that's not, that's not what I want. That's the, we designed this building based off of the community feedback and the, and the coaches feedback for the community. So it was designed that way. So we were all in, and that's the same thing with what you're talking about with owning real estate in California. Look, there's no option B on this in regards to, there's no option to sell. That door isn't open, it's not even there on the wall. So it's like, okay, so we're gonna find a way, we're gonna do this, whatever way. And that mentality, um, I, I encourage those gym owners out there that are still struggling and dealing with other, whether it's government overreach and trying to control their business or consistent, but whatever that is, is that that mentality can change overnight too? You can have you can flip that coin over and you can go right at it, and uh, um, and and eventually you know that will change everything. It'll change everything. Things will start working out because you start grinding harder, you start focusing more, you start doing things that you weren't committed to to doing before. Just like this podcast, if you start seeing things you haven't seen, there's a whole different level of dedication. So. I, I, if you don't have kids and you have felt any kind of hopelessness during the last two years, from the bottom of my heart, please stop being a fucking bitch. If you don't have kids, if you are just a free-flowing person, you should be contributing nonstop to hope, prosperity, and belief in yourself and everyone around you. You have no fucking clue how fucking free you are. This is not to say that I wouldn't, uh, that, that having kids isn't a great thing. But like, I saw what Mark, do you know, do you know who Mark Bell is? Mm -hmm. uh, he's doing this thing, he's promoting this thing called Step September. I had never heard of it before, but basically you walk like, I don't know if he's the inventor of it, but you walk uh, 10,000 steps every day. And then he did this thing on Tuesday of this week where he said he's going to walk 100,000 steps. It's 50 miles, and he started at 4 in the morning. I haven't gone to his Instagram and looked. But, like, dude, like, that is so fucking awesome, that contribution. He's this big old juiced-up dude, and he's getting into walking. And he's making himself accessible to the fucking world. And I don't know if the guy has kids or not. But, like, if you don't have kids... And you're just free to be as creative and do that shit and contribute and be a part. But there, there was something else here about what we said about community. There's some point in your life where you you th you you read in a book somewhere. You are the five people you hang around the most, and then and before that, maybe you hear about something called peer pressure and you feel peer pressure. The real truth is here, people, and I don't know if, if who's willing to accept this and who's not, but I'm telling you, it's 100 percent the truth. There's no one here. We're all just mirrors of each other. And so when you light up a cigarette, you're telling everyone around you it's okay to smoke. When you eat a donut and shove your face a donut and a Coca-Cola, you're telling everyone around you it's okay. Every bad thing you do, you are spreading the disease. Now, you have to be compassionate with yourself. You got to be cool. But we're just mirrors. And so when I see this dude, Mark Bell, or when I see like, like, like nothing, you're invincible if you don't have kids. You're completely free from all personal responsibility. You can reinvent anything. You own yourself. And, and, and the cool thing about um, having kids is, is it's a free ride to enlightenment. Like a good parent is selfless and you have to commute. You, you, 
you have to you have to become selfless and so it's a it's a um go ahead and have unprotected sex with the girl and begin the journey of um the journey to god of uh becoming selfless but if you don't contribute even if you have to get your ego involved in it but we're all just mirrors here man and uh and yeah we're all, we're we're all just mirrors here. All of our actions are being mirrored and picked up by other people, and th- and that's also why one of the things why like you can go ahead and wear you, you can go ahead and wear a mask. You can go ahead and say all you want about it, but don't deny the fact that you're telling you're signaling everyone around you that there's something here that's super duper dangerous. Don't don't like 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 take responsibility for the message you're sending out to the world because you are sending out a very 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 scary message. I know you think, oh, I'm just doing the right thing. Oh, I'm just protecting people. You're you're doing something far far more significant and heavy than that. You're looking at it in a very very superficial way, very superficial way. That's why like you see traffic jams and people being at like think about airplanes. When you get off an airplane, everyone's a fucking asshole. It just turns into the worst human beings ever. Like everyone's fighting to get off the plane first. Where the fuck are you going? Like don't be that guy. Don't mirror everyone else on the plane. Just stop. (coughs) Be the opposite. Help everyone with their luggage. Let everyone else go out first. Like just – anyway. Okay, sorry. I just – my neck got a little tight getting on my rant. Yeah. But it's fun. But it's fun doing it. Once you start getting – train yourself to be that guy, it's fun, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you, you've uh, never done anything nice for someone and regretted it, right? You've never done anything nice for someone and regretted it. Right. How many times do you see people like you see someone at a bus stop and you're like, man, I should give that person a ride. And then you're like, I can't do that because then they'll think I'm a fucking weirdo or there's some there's something in the news about someone who killed someone. There's like all of these things that we're like um, afraid to do to be nice to other people. But like 99 percent of the time, like and I'm not saying you fake it. I hate those fucking people who are faking it, too. Like like I didn't plant trees in my backyard to share my fruit, but when I have extra fruit, I just fucking put it in a bag and go drop it off at my neighbor's porch. Like it's easy to be nice. Just just yeah. Well, it's it's very easy to be nice. One thing that I struggled with in the past was um giving money or tithing or uh donating. What did you call it? Tithing. Tithing, T I T H tithing my, um, my vocabulary is getting huge after this show fuck um, reading just have kyle on <laughs> i'm still learning um but uh because i didn't have a lot of money when no. i was younger so then i hold, held everything super tight super tight super tight super tight and um, um i didn't you know when you when you when you see a homeless person on the side of the street um i didn't i had a i had a challenging time giving money away. So it was either just a little bit of food, uh, or I'd go to the gas station, grab something and give it back and then give it that way. Um, but then there was this one time where I had, uh, it was just $10, dude. It was just $10. And, uh, it was just that day where I pulled to the stoplight. There's a homeless person next to me. And, and you probably see a lot more homeless individuals than I do because the, uh, the winter thousands, just thousands every day. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> But, but this is, this was me growing as a Christian too, is, is we're not asked to make a bunch of money and then hoard all that money. You know, it's like you give and you you receive and then you give and then you receive and then you give and you give. So it's like the more you give, the more you receive, the more you give, the more you receive. And again, being mindful of the, the, the real world bills and all that thing. But 
anyway, when I was at that corner, um, I just the Holy Spirit inside of me just brought me to give this individual $10. And that was hard for me to do. It was a challenging thing. But as soon as I gave it to him, he thanked me and, and, and he blessed me back by saying, God bless me. And again, this is kind of a stupid story, but as soon as I gave it to him and he said that back to me, I drove off and I started crying. I was like, why am I crying? I just, it just broke my heart down because the fact is that I, it was such a crutch in my life that I did not want to give even just a cent away because it was, it was not always there for me myself. So having that control right. and being scared to give. So then giving to that individual and then him saying that back, I think I was blessed just as much as he was, if not more, just by the fact right. that I finally opened that door open to do that. And it became much easier right. and, and then starting to tithe in, in church more and then just learning to be able to give more away. And then and you're talking about just doing nice things. It's like, okay, it, it, it is an easy act to do, but it's hard to get at people out of their own rhythm. You know, it's like if we're just going to be lazy and we already don't feel good because we just had a bunch of sugar and then we didn't eat very well and we didn't sleep good the night before and we haven't exercised in two and a half years right. or, or in a month. It's like it's so much less effort to just care about yourself because that's all you can care about because you don't, because you don't have enough energy to care about anybody else. Right. So even right. though it's easy to do, uh, it, it's a simple act. It's not necessarily easy. It's so simple to do something nice and kind, but it's not always that easy because of where we're at in our own consciously state of mind because of the poor nutrition or the, or the, the exercise or lack of sleep or thereof. So yeah, when when you're uncomfortable, you're at the peak of selfishness. When you're scared, scared is nothing but selfishness. Fear is selfishness. I, I know some people are going to take that negative. I'm not even saying it in a negative way. Um, I someone I'm walking down the street and I hear a car slam on its brakes. All of a sudden, I'm scared. Why? Because I'm being selfish. I, I have to look around because I don't want to get killed. It's like it's like it's like the the epitome, the 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 pinnacle of selfishness is like not wanting to die, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh shit, I don't want that lion to eat me. I don't want that guy to hit me with his car. And so, yeah, and, and when you're and 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 the um and the opposite is where happiness exists in communion with God and that selflessness. And that's when shit's just flowing through you. Um I Gandhi said that um uh, begging is a profession and it's the worst profession. And I really do believe that. And what I remember walking down the street, I was with Greg Glassman. We were in San Luis Obispo, and there was a guy on the street selling hot dogs. Next to him, there was a guy with a um, violin case open playing the violin. And then next to him was a homeless guy. And there were the three options. And so I gave money to, going back to psychiatry and rewarding behavior, I gave money to the guy playing the violin. And I gave money to, and I bought a hot dog. And I didn't give money to the homeless guy. And here's why. Because I didn't, I, me personally, Sevon, I didn't need that lesson and I didn't want to vote with my dollar to support that behavior. I already give plenty to tons of people. I already tipped the, like, like I, um, already pay for the guy be like I like I want to reward good behaviors around me like you know what I mean like when I go to the hotel that I want to tip that guy who works hard when I go to Starbucks and the girl smiles at me I don't want to feel obligated to tip her I want to be like damn she just shared that smile with me I'm gonna give her a buck and I'm pass that shit on to the person behind me and smile behind them I um I was um 
I was at a, this is one of my crowning achievements in my life. I was in San Diego. It was about 105 degrees outside. It was so fucking hot that no one was out walking around, and, which doesn't happen too often in San Diego. And my wife had gone into a Starbucks to use their bathroom. And there were some newspaper stands out in front of the Starbucks. And this is before I had kids. And I had my dog with me, a little tiny dog, Chihuahua. And uh, I ducked down behind one of the newspaper stands to just get in the shade. That's how hot it was. Well, my wife went into Starbucks because I couldn't go in with her because I was watching the dog. And a guy walks up to me and hands me five bucks. He thought I was homeless. Oh, wow. Yeah. And my first instinct was like to refuse it. But in a second, I said, and I had shitloads of money. Like I was probably making like $200,000 a year and like, like, you know, like just chilling, just, but I'm ducking behind a newspaper stand. So I'm like, thank you. And I took the five bucks. And and he walked on, and then like and 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 probably I don't know like fifteen minutes later there was I saw a homeless guy and he was just sitting there and I just gave, passed it on I was like yeah this this hey I'm pretty sure this is yours dude <laughs> I gave it you know what I mean but it was so awesome in that moment because I wanted to be like dude what are you doing give me this five bucks but I'm like nah it's cool I'm good I just looked up wow. at the guy thank you you know what I mean and I took the five bucks it wasn't the first time I'd been accused of being homeless. <laughs> when you have a beard like this and you're living, I, I was a, I was a dirty hippie. I got the homeless shit a lot. Where was and I then at? eventually, and then eventually was homeless. Uh, this had that, that story I just told you happened in San Diego. When I was homeless, I was in uh, Santa Barbara for a couple years. And that was another, that's another, you know, interesting thing that I've talked pretty openly about. I met my wife as a, as a homeless guy living in Santa Barbara. And now we've been together 20 years. We have three kids and, and we have more than enough wealth for our life. And, um, and our kids. But but in the same respect, we're also not afraid to go move into a van to protect that like wealth. But um I so guess it's just pri- your pri- wife priorities. While being homeless. Yeah. I mean she was a college that's girl. Those college that's, girls that's are susceptible. Game, they're that's they're susceptible game. to anything. You know what Ronnie Teasdale told me one time? One of the crowning achievements for him was he was at a he picked up a girl naked. He was somewhere naked, like in some like mountain retreat or some like uh, like some hot springs, and he said he was naked and started talking to this girl, and 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 they, I mean that's that's vulnerable. Well, that's to do to do your mating dance you naked. You <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. She it knows was, what she's signing up for. Well, I think uh, or him. I, mean, I don't even know. That's a good point. I never clarified if it was a him or a her. I made that presupposition. Positive uh, relationships that come out of that, being like, look, I know. I know everything. We're starting at the end instead of the beginning. So, when 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 I was homeless, uh, the 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 unfortunate tragic part is is that ninety nine point nine percent of my peer group were drug addicts, and I was not a drug addict. I was a soul searcher. I was searching for what it would be like to give up everything I owned, and I made the decision on my own. And I was just in a crazy minimalist, trying to live mimic. You know my heroes like Jesus and the Buddha and these guys I had re- read about. I wanted to mimic their their lifestyle, and uh, unfortunately, that that the cohort in that in in that group, most people are homeless because they didn't. I mean, they made decisions that they they prioritized drinking and heroin and pills and that stuff over shelter, and so that's how they ended up there. For me, it kind of it was a mix of my parents having enough of my bullshit, my antics. And me um, having the right influences and books in my life at the right time. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right, I'll try this homeless shit. It's scary as shit, right? Um, but cool. Fuck, it was cool. 
How, oh I mean, man. What part was cool? Just being homeless and like, like, yeah. like just being free, right? Like no responsibilities. None. None. You wake up when you want, you work out when you want, you play ping pong when you want, you talk to you want, you can say whatever you want, you can think whatever you want, you can dress however you want, you can, there's, and I know everyone's like, well, I'm like that. Nah, you're not. Trust me. You're lying to yourself. You're not. No, no one is until you get, until you like, you got to go to the bottom in order to experience the bottom. You can't fake it. Like, like I'm not like that anymore. Now I'm doing all sorts of fake shit. All right. So here's just a quick question on that. So, well, that's related to that. Does your day start when you take a shower or when you brush your teeth? Mm. Which one would that be? Can I choose when if- I drink a cup of coffee? <laughs> <laughs> so it's oh, like, you, okay. mean when you, you mean when you're homeless? You mean when you're homeless? No, no, no. Just, just oh. now. Just oh. now. And it, it, does it start officially when you brush your teeth or when you take a shower? Do you, which one wakes you up more? Which one is like, okay, now I'm ready to go? Like if you're the not second shower, I become conscious, I start thinking about my kids. I like literally my eyes pop open and I just want to go straight to my kid's bedroom and look at them and be like, okay, remove the kids. Just remove the kids and answer the question. (laughs) Uh, After I pee, as soon as I get that first pee out, I'm like, so time to begin the day. (laughs) So did you brush your teeth when you were homeless? Did you take a shower when you're homeless? Like how, how homeless were you? Because those are real things. Yeah. Um, I didn't, sh- I probably, so I, sh- if I showered, I showered like at people's homes when they weren't there, um, at the gym, you know, like on campus at the, ca- at the campus gym, I swam a shitload in the ocean. I don't remember so much how I did that. Um, and I definitely carried a toothbrush with me. I probably brushed my teeth without toothpaste. Like that was probably like my primary way. You know what I mean? Like anytime, like I just went into a bathroom, I just, but how long were you homeless? My- Two years. Uh, well, I, I was I was homeless for two years, and then I was and then I lived in a car for like five years after that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so seven years, seven years total. And during that time, you know, like I was living in a car, and I made three shows for ESPN. I made commercials. I started making TV shows. I produced, directed three shows for ESPN that aired more than three hundred times. I had a super popular public access show on in Santa Barbara. I was a uh, I got a job after two years of being homeless at a home for disabled adults. I was just walking so, by there. And I didn't wear shoes either. Like I was barefoot for two years. Like I never wore shoes once in two years. And, uh, I, and I got this job and I started making seven bucks an hour. And when you make seven bucks an hour and you don't have a home and you have no expenses and you know how to eat out of a dumpster and, and how to like – like I would come – let's say me and you were in college, Kyle. I would come over. I would be your friend. I would have met you at the beach, right? You and your friends would have been there. You guys would have been drinking beer. I would have played frisbee or throwing the football around with you. I would end up coming back to your house. You guys would fall asleep. I'd do all your dishes and then I'd fall asleep on your couch and then I'd leave before you guys woke up to go to school in the morning. You know what I mean? And so like you do that to college kids. You just be cool, kind of invisible. Every t- then you would see me at the beach again. You're like, dude, come over. Let's hang out. Let's party. Da, da, da. You know what I mean? You just, you're low, you're low, you're low rent. You're low frequency. You don't tax. I don't tax your shit. I don't let like, while you guys are eating pizza, come over and be like, Hey, can I have a piece of pizza? No, none of that shit. Low, so, does, so did, uh, you only your contribute. Political- you're only contribute. Are your, are your political views? Were they the same from when you were a homeless person to now? 
I didn't I don't even think I had political views there, but I was raised as a hardcore liberal peace love hippie. Um, fuck the country, fuck with the war machine, fuck the flag. God bless everyone. Don't God bless this country. I was I was it, I, but really it was a um, it was fucked up. It was wrong. It didn't I didn't have to be indoctrinated that way. There's a middle ground. There's a there's a just like yeah, I was indoctrinated. And I'm sure my parents were indoctrinated. It didn't have, there doesn't have to be uh, w- one or the, um, we don't live in a world of duality. You, you don't have to love your country or hate your country. You can just be open, right? And, but, but in, in all fairness, I'm in a love your country um, mindset now. I, I, I've, I've probably flipped over opposite of what I was taught. They don't even know they're teaching you that shit. I remember five or ten years ago when I first saw the first saw a Black Lives Matter sign on on a lawn in um, uh, in Berkeley, California. I was like, "What the fuck is this? Black Lives Matter? All lives matter?" Now I lived in an all black neighborhood. I was the only white person from when I was sixteen to when I was eighteen. A fucking scary, yeah, in a scary motherfucking neighborhood. Yeah, it's just me and my dad, and my stepmom were the only non-blacks. Pimps, prostitutes, hustlers. I read. Everything I could on fucking black people, everything mm-hmm. from Malcolm X to, 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 to anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm off the, I'm off the reservation now, but yeah. So I didn't, I don't know if I had political beliefs when I was homeless. I don't know. I, I basically was just like, I was a young man. I wanted to do good. And my only distraction was I liked girls. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just wanted to do good and be chill and, and get laid. So it was kind of like, and then, uh, and then I got into video editing. Yeah. And then I got into video editing. And then um, and I hung out with a lot of good people. And I traveled the world doing a lot of good things. I worked for a company called Vitamin Angels. I went to probably 40 or 50 countries with them to places that most people couldn't handle. Like I, I saw famine, like real famine. That's like when people talk about food drought. I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. There is no food drought in the United States. You have no fucking idea what you're talking about. And I've been to every state in the United States except Alaska too. And I've been seeing some really, really bad shit, like shit that most – like stuff that makes people suicidal, mm-hmm. like children dying from starvation. I don't want to hear about your fucking food drought. <laughs> it's, that's more just arguing your limitations. Yeah. Tell people what they can do. Tell people that, hey, start off with just eating hot dogs, hard cheese, and water. Get off the Doritos and Mountain Dew. It's a great first step. It's a great first step. <laughs> yeah. So – I'm with you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what happened. But the second, the second they, um, I like it's, it's like the abortion thing. I, I, I don't think anyone should have it. I think people should be careful of a strong opinion on either side. It's a very, it's too very, and I think you should um, be very suspicious of the fact that of the choices that are being given to you. I think you should be like some people say you're killing a baby. Some people say you're not killing a baby. Some people say you're taking women's rights. Some people say you're not taking women's rights. But w- what other ways are there to think about it? And the example I gave the other day is, is if I told you like, hey, do you want ice cream? And you're like, and you're like, I don't know. And I go, well, the criteria is if it's a hot day, you want it. And if it's a cold day, you don't want it. I would say that's bullshit. That shouldn't be how you think about ice cream. But, but we're being forced on how to mm-hmm. even think about these big topics. And like, mm-hmm. it's just bullshit. It's like, we shouldn't be like, like this the thing around the vaccine, like we do it for the greater good. What well, do it for the greater good? Do it for the greater good. That, that's fucking insanity. What if they gave every single person on the planet the vaccine? We would have no more control group. 
We would have no idea what it would, what a human being would be like without it. I mean, it's just no one's thinking. No one's like, how come no one has? How come no politician? I'm now preaching to the choir has said, "Show me the CrossFitters who've died." One, two, and they were obese. Show me the people who are not eating added sugar and refined carbohydrates who've died. Why is that an extreme lifestyle? I don't think it's an extreme lifestyle because I don't stick certain things in my mouth. I'm an extremist. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Isn't that nuts? Oh my God. Because I only eat meat, vegetables, nuts, seeds, blah, blah, blah. I'm an extremist because I don't go to wall. Walmart is a fucking extreme. My iPhone is an extreme. I'm so stoked on it. This thing is fucking extreme. (laughs) Which one is that? The 11. Yeah. The the 12 is the first one I didn't have. Like the, um, cause I like, I'm, I'm, I'm saving money. $80 $80 to hire a professional skateboarder to train my kid. You can't be fucking around with the iPhone 12, Sevy. No. <laughs> Dude, I still have the iPhone 7, bro. You know why? Holy I have the iPhone shit. 7? Why? Ask me why I have the iPhone 7. Why do you have the iPhone 7? Because I don't need a new phone. It works just fine, but it takes photos kind of. The storage is small, but uh, small. Don't you, don't small. you want to rationalize it as, um, hey, I need a new phone um, so I can take better pictures of my kids? That's how I always yeah. rationalized it. Yeah, there's 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 that there's that in there for increased social media for for uh, better photos, kids, family, storage, all that stuff. But what's what's your wife um, have? She's got a droid, man. I don't. We don't talk about that. Wow. Yeah. Um, Do you text with your wife? Barely. Barely Who are these just, droid just, people? Who are you? The <laughs> UFC fighters that I've been interviewing, the vast majority of them are droid people. Who are about you? Extremists, right? What yes. Extremist. <laughs> I think, you know, the scary part is I think we're the tools. I suspect they've got us stuck together through this iMessage thing, right? Right. Well, I used to have a droid. And the reason okay. I switched is because of the photos, the photos and the video capabilities. Um, with social media. So, um, either way, she's a, yeah, she's a droider. Your, your one rep snatch, 277 pounds at the games. Is that a PR lifetime PR? Uh, no, that, I tied that from 2017 and then, um, I got 285 in training. Wow. This year. So, yeah, that's crazy. Do you ever no, look at the individuals exciting. and, do you ever look at the individuals and you're like, shit, I think I can do it. Dude, <laughs> this is the thing is, that's like saying like when people ask me if I want to ever put football pads on again and play fo- college football, it's like, dude, I want to put my college football pads on for one play, hit, <laughs> tear, it, tear my hamstring, get a concussion, and then leave. It's like, okay. But it's like, okay, I – it's not the it's not the individual competition that I don't want anymore. It's the preparation for individual competition that my life doesn't support anymore. And right. let's be honest, okay. I can't. Okay. I, even if I wanted to put the volume in, I don't know if I could. I mean, I put a lot of volume in still. I put a lot of volume in, and, and it's just a matter of how many weeks in a twelve week cycle that I have to chill out for a little bit, meaning a, just a deload week or just a just a lighter week. Um, but uh, a dear friend of mine who's a really good CrossFitter, um, he, you know him also. Um, 
he's not even 40 yet and he says it, it it would be im he said he would die if he did his um went back to his games level volume training he said it's right. not possible it just, for, yeah no, he said it would be but it's also something that's like, okay, well, if I come home, I'm not with my kids, I'm not with my family, I'm recovering, I'm doing late workouts, I'm waking. It's, it's, a, whole, it's a completely different lifestyle. It doesn't support what I have now because if I did do that, everything else around me would go to crap. The bit, like, I wouldn't be there as much uh, in, in the business, I wouldn't be there as much at home, and if I was at home, I wouldn't really be at home. I'd be somewhere else thinking about recovery or whatever. So... Um, yeah, the, the individual individual competition. I, I still look at the weights. I still look at that stuff. It's nice to see that. Um, strength doesn't go away very much. It holds on well. I mean, as you've probably experienced yourself, it just holds on really well. Even the high numbers like back squat, I'm still holding like a 500-pound back squat. I'm 39 years old. Wow. Like that's, that's so Holy incredible. Shit. I love it. And that's something I've been holding from college football uh, all the way. So it, that's nice. I enjoy that. Do you bench? Yeah. Like, and, and do you bench for training or do you bench for fun? Both. Like, the, um, both. Yeah. 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 I mean, it makes my shoulders feel better. Like if I stop well, benching, my shoulders start getting a little cranky. And then, uh, bench. Why is that? Upper- is that normal? Is that normal? Tell me more about that. Yeah. Is that normal? Yeah. I, I can't really give a good explanation on it because I don't really know myself. I think it's something to where, Typically, uh, coming out of a college sport like football and not being exposed to CrossFit yet, it didn't it didn't teach me a lot of how to maintenance myself. Uh, but uh, getting into CrossFit and just learning about a whole bunch of different things, I maybe I tend to get more of a forward rounded shoulder posture, even like I am right now, just a little bit, and then bench will push it back in. It'll strengthen areas that I can't get, um, and other exercises as much as I can with either a dumbbell bench or a barbell bench. It's a great exercise. It's fantastic. It's just the fact that global gym goers or just a traditional weightlifter going to the gym does bench every day or every other day for two or three or four or 10 years in a row. And then their posture is all jacked up. They're not doing it right. Or they're doing too much of it. It's like, okay, um, maybe do something else besides just that. But yeah, I bench uh, two to three times a week in different variations. I just started benching again, and it's so interesting you say that because when I stopped benching a few years ago, I started my shoulders started hurting. I never even made that connection, but I started benching again. Uh, uh, I don't know, like two months ago, and um, I, just for because I missed it. Like I just wanted to like, I, like as a second workout, like during the like I wanted to be able to go in my garage and just just do lazy workouts and turn on the TV or just hang out in there. I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna set up a bench. And, and normally I just did a shitload of pushups, but it's a, uh, it's crazy how much I like it. Oh yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Um, and, and, and it and, mixes good with other shit. Like you could do assault yeah. bike sprints and then be like, all right, I'm cool. I'm gonna go bench a little and then like rest and then go back to the assault bike and like, or whatever. Right. Well, it's plus cool. if you're doing it correct, if you're correctly benching, you're packing the shoulders, pulling it down and then pressing through it. So it's pulling, it's basically putting your shoulder where it should be. So then maybe you're walking around where your shoulders aren't supposed to be forward and rounded. Um, so anyway, no, I, I like bench. It's good. Did you ever stop? Like during the, no. your whole CrossFit? No, you always did. And, and you, and you had shoulder surgery. Yeah. Back in 2014. How bad does something have to get for you to do surgery? Okay. So I had a 75% torn rotator cuff, <clears throat> 75%. So it was only on by 25%. 
I one rep max, uh, one rep max my snatch the day before, just because I'm like, freaking screw it. I want to do it. It got bad. Uh, it was to the point where like, I couldn't do any pressing, um, the muscle ups, the ring dips, uh, things of that nature, but it has to get pretty bad because in this sport of CrossFit, you can actually maintenance things pretty well. So the fact of the matter, if you're, if you're maintenance, if something gets sore, you can stretch it, you can smash it. And the fact that Kelly Starrett is, I mean, he really revolutionized how we can maintenance ourselves in CrossFit. I mean, way back when he just started doing these videos, um, in his garage and on his driveway. And, and, um, now it's a whole different level, but just being able to maintenance yourself to where if something is sore, you can maintenance. If it's something is tight, you can maintenance, you can stretch it, you can smash it, you can do some corrective, you can work with someone. Um, but, uh, in the past, it, like 2009, I didn't know how to do that. Even in college football, I, had, I didn't really know how to do that stuff, but in order for me to seek out surgery or to seek out somebody that the pain has to get pretty, pretty unbearable. And it's not even the pain. It's the, uh, it's the decreasing of volume, the decreasing of training, um, the, uh, the, the restriction of being able to do other movements or programming that would get me to get there. So anyway, did you sleep at night? Sorry. So I, I could hear a noise in my room. Could you sleep at night? No. It was no, that bad. It'd wake me up. Yeah. I just, I, I always wonder that because like I have, you know, I have back pain and shoulder pain and I have all that shit, but I just kind of like deal with it. But I always wonder when people get surgery, I'm like, that shit must get really, really fucking bad. Like knee would be the craziest. Have you ever had knee pain? I, when people uh, tell me about knee pain, I'm like, oh my God, that sounds so scary or hip pain. Well, yeah, but it was also the point where it's like, I still wanted to do this more. Right. I wanted to do this. I I wanted to continue to compete at a hundred percent. So it's like, I could have just, the doctor was even like, yeah, I mean, if you're not a, if you're not a baseball player, if you're not going on any sports, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a CrossFitter and I want to continue, continue to compete. He's like, okay, well, yeah, that's definitely the thing, but just understand this is an elective surgery. It's not mandatory. Okay. Well, it might be elective for you, but for me, this is a, this is a, a must to continue on with the, with the competition career in, in CrossFit. So, but it wasn't, I, I could have, I, I, let's just put it this way. It was a means to an end. It was going to have to happen either right then or in 20 years. And that's what we, we see that all the time at gym too. And I'm sure a lot of CrossFit gym owners see that is where it's like the carpenters or the painters or the drywallers that they're all going to have shoulder issues at some point in their life or back issues. It's just a matter of, can we help them now to prevent them from having a surgery and getting them moving and showing them some basic stretches or basic mobility that'll just help them improve their own lifestyle, improve their well-being, improve um, their daily enjoyment, um, and go from and there. And did the so, sur- did the surgery work? Yeah. Sorry, yes. hold on I'm one second. Extremely gratifying Sorry. of that. I'm, I'm thankful for it. It worked fantastic. I, I don't have any issues. Hold on one second. Hey, yep. sorry. Hey, uh, 
I tell my wife, turn off the fucking TV in the house. I hear a TV. She's like, there's no TV on. I must be losing my mind. Um, yeah, so so it, it did help. Okay, well, that's good to hear. And and, and does it made you more – did it come back 100%? Are, are you 100%? Yeah. Yeah, that's it awesome. It took time, though. It took God, time. I love hearing that. And, and, and work, maintenance, but – what what do you mean? Like like it, it you're saying it took time, but it did it also take oh. maintenance? Like you have to take care oh. of it like differently, nurture it. No, it well the. All right, the surgeon told me it was going to take six months to get back to one hundred percent, and I was like, wait, like what is your hundred percent, doc? Is it full range of motion and being in a good position and holding a, 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 a certain amount of stability strength because my hundred percent is being able to snatch 270 some pounds, do handstand walks, go on unstable services like rings and then hold myself up, press up and then do that while fatigued. And so then he kind of retracted that statement a little bit once I started <laughs> him a little bit more. And to get to 100% of my 100%, it took a, a little over a year. Um, but it was great. I was very, I'm, I'm thankful that I made the decision when I did. Everything worked out. And, uh, and it just took time in regards to all the little things over and over and over again. And rehab has changed so much. Um, from in the past, it was isolate, isolate. Now it's about movement, movement, movement while mm. being in a stable position and seeking full range of motion before anything, because that's what CrossFit is too, right? Is moving things well. So moving things to full range of motion in a stable manner. It's like, well, this is just a form of prehab for everybody. It's prehabilitation. So it's like, okay, so why don't we just move in full range of motion well over and over and over again. And that will save a lot of people, a lot of issues over time. My wife had a, my wife had a, a knee surgery. Um, the first time she had the knee surgery, they put this thing on her leg that basically makes it so you can't move your leg. And then every day you give yourself for every week, a little more articulation in it. And after two months, she like lost all this range of motion. Then she had another knee surgery. And this time I was like, Hey, we're not doing that this time. She goes, what do you mean? I go, soon as the wound heals, we're taking that thing off. And we're only going to start working on full range of motion. So she did that. And then after six weeks, she went back to the doctor. It was at UC uh, University of uh, California, San Francisco. I put the boot thing back on her leg so the doctor wouldn't know that it's been off the whole time. And he takes it off and he's like, show me your range of motion. And he's like, oh, my God, I've been doing this surgery for 20 years. I've never seen a recovery like this. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. And it's like what you said. <laughs> Like these guys, because they're dealing with the lowest common denominator. I get what they're doing. They're dealing with fucking morons who can't right. think. And it's right. like this boot that they were putting on her leg that was supposed to protect her. All it was doing was robbing her of uh, full range of motion. It would be it's, it's like the people you see who don't um, they haven't sat on the ground in 20 years because and, and now they can't sit on the ground. My dad told me one time, um, God, I shouldn't share this. Um, my dad, I told my dad that I was abstaining from all ejaculation. This is in college. And I was like, and my, and I'd gone like two months and my dad goes, Hey dude, use it or lose it. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to store that away in my head for a while. That, but, but I, it, that didn't happen. I still ejaculate fine. But, but, uh, that's a, that's a scary one. Use it or lose it. And it could, it could be true. It could be true. I mean, it's definitely true oh, with human sure. movement, right? 
For sure. Absolutely. As soon as I like, okay, so I'll take a break after games every year and um, you start to feel things slowly just dissipate. Now, once I'm getting older, the, 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 the fitness will slowly go away. It'll just slowly just drop just a little bit. And a lot of studies have supported that within two to four weeks, right? Of aerobic capacity um, or even just cardiovascular um, capacity in general, just breathing heavy. But I mean, if you want to lose your squat, stop squatting, right? If mm. you want to, if you want to lose your ability to do a handstand, stop handstanding or doing walking handstands of any sort. And you, and, and as as we're raising children, my my daughter's ten now. She's now doing a fifty foot handstand walk. I remember when I crazy, dude, it's nuts and it's so wait, wild to watch too. She's been in gymnastics and she's like doing it with like good form. And it's like, okay. That's that's nuts, but it's also like, oh, that's like you're right on par where you should be of being able to get on your hands, support yourself well, and then move um, in a stable service or a stable manner, just like you've been taught in gymnastics. But um, yeah, fully 100% believed where if you don't use it, you'll lose it just from the stance of just my own experience after games, just with mobility or with um, fitness in general. Uh, but it is important for me to take some time off here and there. So, Are we going to see you in 2022? Are you going to do Masters again? Yeah, I don't know. You Oh, don't really? Know, you don't? You, you Really? Yeah, every other year is like for sure, yes. But my kids are 8 and 10, bro. Um, yeah. Select soccer, um, uh, uh, intermediate competitive wrestling, um, flag football, baseball, and uh, my wife's business, Kinesis, going to a maturation phase now that we're like we're we're tapping into that that older stage of the business. Is um, your son wrestling it, with Joe Westerlin's son? Yeah, they're in the same club. Dude, that Our is house. awesome. So, do you see Joe a lot? Yeah, I see him a lot. We've stayed. Oh, in that's touch cool. Well. Oh, that's so cool, cool, man. We've that's known so each other cool. for. 20 years now we came in the same recruiting class in college football we played together and then uh um then he got hurt did a strength coach and boom oh i didn't know that i always a cheerleader but he was actually on the team well he was a good cheerleader he was a yeah really good i know i know he's a dope cheerleader <laughs> but i didn't realize he made it on the team wow that is yeah awesome. no, they, yeah so. And now you're, and now your son is his son older than your son. Yes, he is three or four years older. So, I don't, I don't remember what the wrestling move um, his son did, but it was basically a move where basically like you're in a scrum with another kid. You guys are holding onto each other's necks or heads, and then his son mm -hmm. basically does this thing where he holds the other guy's neck and he flips to his back so that his opponent is forced to go to his back at the same time. So they both turn onto their backs at the same time. And um, my son is six. And when he showed me that many years ago, I was like, holy shit, that is crazy that your son can do that. And he was just a little boy. He was like probably seven, six, seven, eight years old. How old is his son now? 12? I think it's like 11 or 12. Yeah. Okay. It's a few years so, older than my daughter. So uh, uh, about two months ago, my son's six, and he practices jujitsu a lot. 
um, you know, he's doing the martial arts five days a week, and I saw him do something called the loop choke. And I don't know if you know what that is, but it's basically the same thing. You're basically you're you're you're, you're grabbing someone by their neck. You're both standing up, but somehow you reach under their neck and grab their gi. And when you roll on your back, they have no choice but to roll with you, or or they get choked. And then in the end, they get choked anyway. But it's so cool. I was so glad that Joe showed me that video of his son doing that. And he actually, it's at a tournament. And he actually yells at his son to do it. And his son fucking does it. it it's, have, do you know what video I'm talking about? It's old. No, but I know, what you're, I know what you're talking about because they go over those moves together. Yeah, it's cool. God, how cool is wrestling? Did you wrestle? It's awesome. Yep. Yep. It but, taught me a lot. But you ended up doing um, football instead of wrestling. Yeah, so I I, uh, I did fairly well in, in, in wrestling in high school, but then I got recruited for both. And uh, um, I saw success in football as well and decided to go the football route. And uh, I'm grateful for it. I'm, I just, I'm very grateful for the, the experience in wrestling in high school. It was a lot of fun. It was, taught me a lot, a lot. But it also allowed me to harness that energy into something like two, two people walk on the mat. One people, one person walks off, winner. The other one's a loser. You accept the loss, and uh, you move on. So, uh, how tall are you? Uh, five eight. And how much do you weigh? One ninety. Uh, do you think you could? What, what's the lightest you could get? Do you think you could get to one seventy five? Dude, I could stop training and get to 165. Oh, no shit. If I stopped lifting and I stopped working out, I would lose muscle. And that's one thing that we all like kind of like Jacob and Josh, like kind of like Jacob and Josh did when they started prepping for that boxing match. I think they were both surprised how how quickly they lost muscle. Yeah. When they started prepping. Absolutely. Absolutely. But just even not even doing extra conditioning, I could just stop lifting and I'd lose that muscle right there. And then, okay, we'll flip it over and do prep, prepare for a boxing match. You're going to lose weight even more. What weight did they uh, fight at? I can't, I can't remember. Uh, I think uh, Jacob weighed 18 pounds more than him. Like they didn't, they didn't choose like a weight. I think it was more, I think it was more like on the honor system, like, hey, try to come in light, you know, for Jacob. And uh, and I don't I don't think Josh meant to drop to 165, but I think he did, or 164 or whatever he was. Mm. But I think basically he was saying. So basically, what you're saying is, is if you started training to be a triathlete, you could get to, you could get down to 165. Yeah. If you just started doing, but even if you didn't, you're just saying just stop the weight. Um, because you know when I was going through your Instagram, you know who you remind me of. Do you watch UFC? Mm-hmm. Have you ever met Michael Chandler? No. Oh, you do you know who he is? No, why don't I know that name? He he's kind of new. I mean, he's a superstar. He came from Bellator at one fifty five, and then he and then he and he was like the 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 guy there. And then he came to the UFC a few months ago, and he fought, or maybe it's been a year now. He fought. Um, he was supposed to. Uh, he beat up Dan Hooker like in thirty seconds, like the first round, mm. and then he fought for the belt against. Um, Oliveira, and that's the 155 class, super popular class. That's the one Conor McGregor's in, Dustin Poirier's in, Justin Gaethje's in. But anyway, you could be Michael Chandler's brother. You guys could so he could be your younger brother. It's crazy. Hmm. He sounds yeah, like a up. heck of a guy. 
Other yeah, great guy. <laughs> great guy. Uh, he's kind. It's kind of funny if he's kind of like the like. Um, I would never say that you and Josh Bridges could be brothers, but this guy could be brothers with Josh Bridges too. So like he's somewhere in the he's like a hybrid version of the two of you guys. Mm-hmm. The way you guys look. Well, thank you. Two hours and twelve minutes. Someone someone said in the comments, great job interviewing Sevon for the last 30 minutes, Kyle. I can't tell if that's a dig at me for talking too much, but, <laughs> but. Oh, I love it. Oh, good stuff. I like hearing uh, people's stories, man. I love it. You're you're a real coach. How many classes a week are you teaching? Well, let's see here. I think like five or six. And and your and your kids get to see get to see that you see you do that. Mm-hmm. Part yeah, of that's awesome. Yep, that's awesome. Can you imagine how good that is for your kids to show you see you standing in front of a room commanding people's attention and sharing knowledge? Well, I, I just I, I I hope they can see that it's okay to talk in front of people. You know, public speaking being one of the most feared things out there, and one of the, and the majority of people don't tackle their fears they don't take on their fears they run from their fears or let their fears overtake them right so i just hope that they can they can see that a little bit and uh maybe we'll practice it with them my my dad owned a wine and cheese store my dad's an the immigrant success story right comes from nothing raised with no power no electricity no running water all that shit and came to this country and became a successful businessman working 365 days a year, fucking 18 hour days running a wine and cheese store, your typical middle Eastern success story. Just right out of the textbook. Come here as a fucking Armenian and sell wine and cheese. Anyway. Yeah. Crush it. it. Just work your ass off. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I used to go to work with him on the week, like four years old to 12 years old, I, I started working the register. It's learned how I learned how to add and subtract. It's learned how I learned how to talk to people. Learned how I learned how to smile, to open a paper bag and stick their, you know, cheese and wine in a bag, mm-hmm. walk them to their car. Anyway, it's hu- huge for kids to see that. It would be so awesome. I, I don't even, I, I should make my kids watch me do the podcast. <laughs> They're like, fuck you. <laughs> All right, Kyle. Thank you for everything thanks for coming on no thank you it's been a lot of fun to be honest i would have had a a good time slap joe on the ass for me okay so wait a second is it like a quick slap or can i pause for a second you if as long as um, i say good game it's everything's okay (laughs) 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 oh man thank you so much it's been a lot of fun and that's how it 